Hello and welcome to the Fight Like a Girl podcast. This week I had the absolute pleasure of heading over to South End to see the wonderful Jolie Boyle. Um, we had a really interesting conversation and um, it like to the point where I lost track of two hours. So um, this one is quite long, but um, it's such a, a it was well it was remarkable for me to listen to and. Um, I just hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I did listening to it, if that makes any sense. Anyway, here you go. We're recording. Oh, wonderful. I know, it's magic, right? <laughs> it's pretty much magic. Um, so, um, as we've just previously discussed, you are Jolie Boyle. Yeah. Not Jolly Boyle or Jolie Boyle. Jolie. I'm going to say it wrong now. <laughs> I talked myself into it. Um, you're a brown belt under uh, Braulio. Yes. GB yeah. South End. Yes. Excellent. Um, right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and start at the beginning because I am a little bit fascinated about how people start in the sport, and um, that's always my first question. So. Um, because I don't have any kind of history on you, and Blossom's going to town on herself. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. That's an image. <laughs> um, so, usually I have some kind of history on people before I come. But, but you, you didn't do your homework, did you? Not this time. No. I do have some things that I want to actually talk to you about. Okay. Um, but um, I have no idea how you got into the sport. So, um, like, is jiu-jitsu your uh, first martial art or did you get into it like every other person else seems to and you did karate first and then... Uh, no, I didn't do karate. Um, about... Uh, it must have been about 14 or 15 years ago. I can't remember exactly, but um, a leaflet came through my door to do... Uh, it was for a kickboxing club, or a martial arts gym anyway, and I've always wanted to do kickboxing since I was about 18 years since old. Since you watched Kickboxer with John claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. I just thought it was a really cool thing to do. And, uh yeah, so I went along to this gym and didn't do a trial class. I said, I'm going to do kickboxing. <laughs> and he went, you know, you can try it first. I went, uh, yeah, I know I can try it first. I said, it's all right. I know I want to do it. Yeah. And there was no other kickboxing around. And, uh, yeah, I, I just signed up. And I it was really cheap. And I did it once a week. And I could use the gym as well. And um, he kept saying to me, I went, why... why um, why don't you do more than one class a week? And I said, oh, I didn't think I was allowed to. I thought I could just come <laughs> once a week. And that was it. He said, no, you should go, come more. So I started going through three times. And um, I met one of my best friends now, uh, Kerry Maserati. And um, she scared me. <laughs> she was just like, oh, my gosh, she's a proper badass. But, um, yeah, now we've become really good friends and sparring partners. And um, she was actually the one who got me into jiu-jitsu. So, um, awesome. yeah, so we went up for, um, uh, I, I actually got kicked out of that gym. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, no. I, um, Why did you get kicked out? I wasn't, you know when you just sort of like, um, 
punched too many people in the face. No, 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 dear, no, wasn't. Shoes on the mat. Was it shoes on the mat? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) I I was training. I I went, I got up to my brown belt in uh, kickboxing and I was going to like four or five classes a week and I was doing some other martial arts as well. I was doing Thai boxing there and I was doing Jim Fan and Carly as well. I really enjoyed those. I thought it was really great. Um, uh, they're Filipino martial arts yeah. and stuff, but I I found them really ther- therapeutic, and um, yeah, I um I was going to the kickboxing classes and I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it. Mm. I was um, yeah, I was going there and I wasn't even breaking into a sweat. And the whole point of me doing kickboxing was to lose a bit of weight and get fit. And there was a point in my life where I was just very very unfit and a little bit um unhappy with myself <laughs> physically so really... that 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 really um that helped me but then I, I got to the stage like five years down the line four or five years down the line and I I wasn't getting anything I wasn't breaking into a sweat it's like 45 minutes into the class and all I want to do is talk and this mm. isn't what I wanted to do so um a friend of mine, um, Aggie, I, she's a club friend, so I, she said to me, oh, you should come and train with me, I've got a little studio, um, she had done Thai boxing for years and years, and she used to fight men years ago as well, because there was no women around to fight in, mm. uh, in the ring, um, yeah, so she, um, she said to me, come and, come and uh, train with me, she lives in Chislehurst, so I went down to Chislehurst, and um, it was only supposed to be an hour session, and I think we trained for like two hours. She's like, "I'm not finished yet. Come on, you got to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to show you this." And I'm like, "Yeah, all right, Aggie, thanks a lot." <laughs> I thought I was just gonna have an hour one-to-one session with her, but she was just like in it and in, in the zone, and I was buzzing when I come out and I told Kerry, and I said, "You've got to come and train with Aggie. It's so good. It's so intense." And I got so much out of it. And my um, the guy who owned the gym, the kickboxing gym, he overheard me and he said to me, um, he started making things a little bit difficult. He didn't want me to train anywhere else. And he said, where you've trained somewhere else, um, you're not insured with us now. Um, you'll need to go and have a medical. And I said, oh, all right, then I'll go and have a medical. And then he was buying in a load of um, gloves and pads and all this kind of stuff and he wanted to buy his own brand and part exchange our stuff and I'm thinking yeah I've got some really nice twins gloves and I'm not going to change them for part exchange them for some Pakistani machine made ones and I've got some handmade ones so um yeah I wasn't really happy with it and I suppose I wasn't happy being there for a while and one day he sent me an email a nice long email and he um I was just about to do a radio show actually and um I I read the email when I was sitting in my car and I burst into tears and I'm like oh my god he's just kicked me out of the gym by an email yeah (laughs) he didn't even tell me face to face Okay. Which is weird. Yeah, it was a bit weird. So um, I had to go and do my radio show and I was so upset. I was thinking, I'm never going to be a black belt in kickboxing and I'm never going to be able to train and and do all of this that I wanted to do and I wanted to compete. And yeah, there was so much that I wanted to do. And 
obviously I couldn't go back there because he'd kicked me out for going to train with my friend. Mm. Um, now I look, I see it at the time. You think it's the most devastating thing. It's the it's the worst thing that could ever happen. But really, it's the best, the best thing. thing that could have yeah. happened. Yeah, it was the best thing. Yeah. So um, I uh, me and Kerry, we would we would just go and train. We would hire the little village hall where I lived and we'd go and do some sparring and stuff and we got quite known by all the people in the village hall it's like oh there's girls they're fighting with each other (laughs) and uh yeah we we got quite known for that and um a friend of mine he said to me why don't you come and teach my kids classes for me that I'll need you like every so often Mm. I said yeah all right then okay and I couldn't really teach him because I wasn't a black belt but I got insured with him, and um, and I approached the association, the chairman of the association that I was under in kickboxing, um, Wooma, and I approached Richard Hopkins, Master Hopkins, and I said to him, even though I don't train with Lawrence anymore, um, can I still do my black belt under you? And he said, yeah, of course you can, darling. Come <laughs> and come and do your black belt. And there, it, to this day, every I've done three now. Every single one that I've done is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, it, yeah, it's mentally, mentally and physically the hardest thing. And um, the first time I did it, Kerry was doing her second down, and I did my first. And yeah, I cried. <laughs> it was, it was, it was nice for me because it was like, okay, I didn't need my old instructor. I could still do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The second and third time I've gone up and yeah did it again but once I got my black belt in kickboxing Kerry said to me you need to do something else now you gotta have a challenge mm. I went to this women's open mat in jiu-jitsu it was really good I didn't really have a clue what she was talking about and um, she said oh you should come to the next one it's really really good you meet so many people so um, uh, what year was it I think it was May 2011, um, I think it was it, yeah, um, there was an open mat at the MMA clinic in Romford and Leonie was there, Cat Hill was there, um, there was a few other people as well and um, yeah, Cat, who's now a black belt, she yeah. was a blue belt and I looked up to her so much and she was helping me out and I got beaten up and it was so good and I come out there after three hours just drenched in sweat and I loved it mm. absolutely loved it like I've only met Kat once uh we did um Sam's womanar mm. and like I got to roll with her when she was a brown belt and like it was just you know when you fight people who are better than you in general like it was just so much better that like I wasn't I couldn't really comprehend it mm. <laughs> I was like how how can I not get anything because I was trying to get like my uh, my butterfly hooks so I was trying to get like lapels and things she was just like nope 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 she just wants to crush my spirit essentially <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no um I, I really want to speak to Kat, actually, because um, she's a, uh, I, I think she has some, like, really interesting stories, and, like, I've had a look at, like, her book and stuff, mm. and it, it seems fascinating, like, the fact that the title is as long as it is, <laughs> I'm like, 
I need a degree just to read the title. This is yeah. crazy. <laughs> I feel like I probably wouldn't understand her book. No disrespect or anything. Oh, but no. I think I'm not intelligent enough to read it. <laughs> I feel the same. <laughs> but I still want to read it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so we went to the um, the women's open mat and um, got beaten up. And I was at the time I was doing Thai boxing. I was going to because um, I, I needed to I needed to stay in like the striking um, mm. martial art um, because that's what I love doing. Yeah. That's what I knew. And um, I went after I left. No, I didn't leave the gym. After I got kicked out of the gym. <laughs> I um I went round to loads of different places that did kickboxing or Thai boxing. I tried them all out and I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see which one is the best place. So I was going, I was travelling for miles as well. I was like 20, 30, 20, 30 miles, and in the end, I ended up at East London Muay Thai. It's my friend from from when I was young. He was teaching the classes, and it was the best class. I, travel 80 miles round trip to, to go to the class twice a week um, and then um, or sometimes if I was working in London that was great because I could just stop off there on the way home um, and it was I know he's my friend but it was it was the best class and it, mm. he worked us the hardest out of anybody yeah and I um and from then on I, I wanted to start my own classes Kerry actually said to me, she's the sort of instigator of everything I do in my class, but she said to me, she's a life coach. Yeah, she is. She said, why don't you start your own classes? That'd be really good. And I did. I started a women's only um, uh, kickboxing class. And what I found was um, one week I'd have like five or six women, Mm. next week I'd have one. And then it'll be next week was one. The next week was one. And then it'll be seven or eight women. And then the next week it'd be one. I'm like, why are these women not consistent? What what yeah. are they doing that um is not making them dedicated to this training? And I do understand that women have a lot going on. And mm. They want to do a lot as well. They've got families and stuff, and I shouldn't make excuses. Like I when I when I dedicate myself to something, that's it. That's what I do. Yeah. So um yeah, and then in the end. I, a friend of mine, he said to me, um, he went, when are you going to do mixed classes? And I said, oh, I'll just do them from next week. <laughs> I'm just fed up with doing the women's only classes. So um, in the end, I, do, I have more men in my classes than women. And I still do them every Wednesday. And it was only uh, last month that I changed gyms from um, being at Lions for like seven years or so. I've done it. And... Um, yeah, and then I, I got into more doing jiu-jitsu and I was trying to um, make it part of my weekly routine. So mm. rather than doing two Thai boxing classes a week, I was doing one jiu-jitsu class and then I realised that it wasn't enough. Yeah. Because you can't learn. You can learn jiu-jitsu, but you can't progress if you're just doing one class a week. Mm. So um, the coach I had at the time, he said... Um, I would sometimes like when I first started, I was a bit sporadic my training. Um, I had a, a K1 fight coming up, and I wanted to do that. I wanted to make sure I was training for that, but I also wanted to do jiu-jitsu. So um, he said, "Oh, it's the jiu-jitsu tourist," and it really offended me so badly. And I just thought, "I'm not tourist. You, you've got to understand that I I need to get my routine sorted out first." Yeah. And um, 
had to get I had to get that K1 fight out of the way and then I could just concentrate on jiu-jitsu and that's exactly what I did and I fought with the Emirates um, with this lady and she had so much more experience than me <laughs> and I was like oh okay it's for charity it's a great venue it's the Emirates Stadium it's amazing it's really good and um, but she battered me <laughs> she really did it was like the worst thing ever and I never ever want to put myself through that again. She hurt. She kicked my um, thigh so many times. In the end, I just couldn't get my leg out of the way, and I ended up with this massive, great big bruise here. And I just thought, at least with jiu-jitsu, you don't get stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get punched in the face, and you don't have to worry about your nose getting broken. And luckily, wow. I've, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but luckily, I've never had a black eye at touch wood, even though I've been hit in the face quite a few yeah. times and I've even had hips in my face and bum and all that kind of stuff in jiu-jitsu but yeah and I've, um, I've never had a black eye but it was from then on I just thought oh, I don't think I want to do this anymore I don't really want to be hit in the face and I know my dad didn't like it either <laughs> um, yeah he's, he's, I was always he's a little girl so yeah he never he never really wanted to see me getting punched in the face yeah him and my mum never come and see any of my kickboxing matches or anything. Yeah, I can imagine it's difficult for a parent, especially. Like, you spend so much time protecting your child, mm. and then they go, I want to go into fight it. And they're yeah. like, um. <laughs> I see that with my uncle um, and my cousin. She's a boxer, she's mm. an amateur boxer, but um, he hates it. He he went to see her fight. We all did, actually. The first fight that she had, she didn't tell anybody. She just went there and she fought and she won. And the second time, she was like, all right, okay, I'm fighting the same girl again. I'm just going to make sure I'm going to fight. And, uh, yeah, we all went to see her. And he couldn't he couldn't watch her. He mm. was just, like, looking away a lot of the time. But like, it's not nice for him. No. Like, why do you think it is? Because, like, I... I'm pretty sure that the same thing wouldn't happen with, like, someone's son or, um, like, nephew or something. Like, what... I don't understand what the... Well, I don't understand what the fundamental difference is between watching two women fight and watching two men fight. Um, especially, like, one, they both consent to the, the fight itself. But, like, do you think that we're programmed from a very young age that... Like women with um, like bruises and stuff, like is just wrong or something. I don't know because my mum and dad came to the Europeans the first year mm. that I went. Cause they they used to live in Spain, so to go to Lisbon, they just drove up and they came and watched uh, me there. And my dad loved it. He loved mm. the jiu-jitsu. Um, I think because my uncle used to do judo and they used to go and watch him fight and stuff and train. I don't know. I think. He probably or thought, I don't want to see my little girl get punched, punched in the yeah. face, and it's not it's not a nice thing for a dad to see. You yeah. know, then maybe it's a generation thing where um, you you girls shouldn't be yeah aggressive fighting and yeah. aggressive and but like it's exactly like what you said. Um, most people don't have a problem with grappling. It's the striking sports mm. that women partake in. And, like, that's the one thing that I can't wrap my head around. Like, why is it okay 
for a girl to be put to sleep yeah. in like a, a triangle or something but um getting leg kicked 40 times or punched in the face is mm. maybe my dad much. found it difficult because he knows that I'm not aggressive yeah so um when but with jiu-jitsu it doesn't look aggressive does it no even if you're putting on a really naked joke he could have a nice little She's smile <laughs> talking to them while you do it it's okay yeah I'm just going to whisper in your ear and say go to sleep <laughs> or like what Gret was saying when she that woman uh, told her some jokes and stuff when she went to leg locker <laughs> yeah, nice. I was like that's amazing I want to do that mm-hmm. yeah no I, I, yeah that's probably all it is he just didn't, didn't think I was aggressive at all so mm. he, he but he liked the fact that um but yeah, I think I think probably because it was he saw it as close to judo, and mm. when my uncle Eddie he was training it, so he had a little bit more of an understanding as well of it. Yeah. Um, possibly, I don't know. My dad was very sporty as well. He um, he used to do the uh, high ball diving. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. There was um, one time when he was younger, um, um. My nan got really annoyed with him because he was late home for dinner. He's one of seven, so he thought he probably could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, they won't notice if I'm not yeah. on the dinner table. But he um, he came home late one day, one Saturday, and she was just, just like shouting, why are you late? You know you're supposed to be coming home at five o'clock for dinner. And he said, I won, I won this trophy. And she's looked at it and she's gone, this isn't your trophy. It isn't, hasn't got your name on it. He said, I know. He said, I won, but they thought the other fellow was going to win, so they put his name on it, but I won. <laughs> but, he, um, but yeah, he was really good at good at diving. and Like Jason Statham. Yeah, yeah. Not many people know that. No, no. Was, saw, he was in the Commonwealth Games, wasn't he? Yeah, I saw a video of his dives, and yeah. um, I was like, oh, wow, shit. Mm. Like, because... I remember seeing him first in like lock stock and two smoking barrels, and I was like, I like this guy. He's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. But then when he was in the transport, I was like, oh shit, dude's got some moves. Mm. Like I had no idea he had all this martial arts training, and then I saw he's him doing, doing the high dive. I was like, he's oh, doing jujitsu now as well. Isn't he, he is, yeah. It, I don't know what belt he is. No, like I I keep hearing like celebrities like doing jujitsu and stuff, but then I never really hear updates. Mm. I was like, I did hear that Ashton Kutcher. Um, randomly enters competitions. Yes. Yeah. Um, is he a brown belt now? I don't know. I know. Last I saw it was a purple belt, but that was a while ago. Yeah. But the only thing I don't like about celebrities is they can't tie their belts. <laughs> you look look at a celebrity and look at their belt, and they've got like one bit up here and one bit down there. I mean, like, you need to learn to tie your belt properly. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, Demi Lovato can't tie her belt. It's like, you need a lesson in that. Yeah. It's like, I learned to tie my belt from a five-minute YouTube tutorial yeah. that Stefan Kessin gave. Yeah. Yeah, I did that as well. Do you, do you like, uh, go from the middle and then wrap around and wrap around? Or do I you go, start on I the side from, and then, like, go? From, I put the end round my back and then yeah. I go around that way. Yeah, yeah. I do that. Yeah. So that it's like one continuous loop and you mm. don't have like the, the overlap at no, the back. No, no, it's really nice and tidy. Yeah. yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I really... But if I if I give... Uh, obviously, kickboxing, and um, they, all the kids wear their belts. But um, 
or in, in jiu-jitsu if somebody comes to me and they say oh, how do I tie my belt I'll do it from the middle to the back and then yeah. around I'll do it that way but we will still do the super knot though I am terrible at doing it on other people like from like if I'm gonna do it I have to stand behind them and do it from behind <laughs> because I can't do it facing oh. like something happens in my brain where it's like you don't understand how to tie a knot anymore like oh just just do a double knot it's fine <laughs> it'll be fine for now yeah no no I, I got used to it obviously for the kids they mm. you know, teach them kickboxing but they're like can you the first thing can you tie my belt for me yeah, yeah no problem and then uh, I have someone helping me now and uh, she's got to learn how to do it as well <laughs> but she doesn't do jiu-jitsu so but it's easier when you do jiu-jitsu because you're doing it all the time yeah mm. <laughs> but yeah no going back to my dad like, he, yes. I think that's where I got and um, I got my sportiness from because my mum's not sporty at all mm. no but he um he would oh there's another story actually because he could do all the backflips and everything we used to live down the street and we used to hang out with all the kids and um I don't know, got into conversation one day and I said, um, yeah, my, my dad can do a backflip. And they went, no way, your dad can't do a backflip. And I went, <laughs> I've seen no, dad. I, I've seen my dad. And I'm thinking, I have seen my dad do a backflip. I know he can do it. And um, they said, well, we want to see him do a backflip. So I went, all right, let me go and ask him. So I've gone in the house and I went, dad, they, um, you, you know, you, when we was in America and you was like doing all these flips off the board and, can you do the backflips what you were doing and he said yeah all right then okay I'll do it so he's got up off the sofa come outside onto the street all the kids are hanging around and he's gone yeah all right then so he's done a backflip flip 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 he must have been about probably 40 years old and he stopped and he went oh my god don't ever ask me to do that again And that was it. That was the last time I ever saw my dad do a backflip. But no, maybe he was, he was probably about 35 years old, but um, obviously not as fit as he was when he was a lot younger. But he um, he loved the fact that um, I was pretty sporty. My brother, mm. not really. He wasn't really that sporty. He liked, um, he just liked going out on his bike and things like that. And we had roller skates. We were we were the Bower Turbo generation oh, kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've still got my bow turbos. Actually, they're not the original ones that I had. My brother broke them, but, um, as boys do. But I bought another pair, and, yeah, lucky. So, um, mm, yeah, no, we was that generation of kids. So, um, But my brother wasn't that sporty, but I was. I was on the rounders team. I used to swim. Oh, yeah, we used to swim together, actually. Um, not together, but we went to the same swimming club. We swam for mm. Ilford, and um, there was a... We used to hang around, hang around with um, our mum and dad's friends' kids, who become our, our really good friends, and they introduced us to a Tai Chi class, and that was pretty cool. And we did mm. a few sessions. It wasn't for very long, and the guy either stopped because there wasn't many people going, and I, I suppose that was my first sort of taster of martial art, if you can call it a martial art. It's more for like relaxing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but there was always sports around and we was always doing doing that kind of stuff so I suppose as I got older it was inevitable that I was going to find some sort of sport but um kickboxing isn't really my sport yeah when I found jiu-jitsu you know you think I found it now this is this is my my fit I even see Aggie last week she was a Thai boxing lady 
Um, I saw her last week at a party and she said to me, you've done so well in jiu-jitsu, Jolie. You've really found your sport now. And I just thought, yeah, I suppose I have because it's a passion and yeah. you're never you're never stopping um, the learning process. Mm. There's always something to, to get your teeth into and challenge you. Whereas kickboxing, all right, you get your combinations and you learn all these different combinations and moves and blah, 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 blah. And where do you go from there? It yeah. doesn't progress. And you can always go back to it and top it up and uh, finely tune it. Mm. But once you know your jab, cross, hook, uppercut, all this kind of stuff, then it doesn't it doesn't progress from there. Mm. But jiu-jitsu, it's always evolving. There's always something new. And you look at all these... Um, uh, Instagram videos and you're like, wow, that's amazing. I see all this new stuff all yeah. the time. Do you think that's due to the relative, like, the relative infancy of the sport, or do you think it's literally because of um, people just tired of the same old moves and trying to figure out new ways all the time? Because like with kickboxing and Thai boxing, I bet like those sports are hundreds of years old yeah Thai boxing yeah Thai boxing is well it used to be called Moi Baran didn't it mm. and it was their it was their um, Thailand's weapon in the yeah. when they'd go into battle that's what they used to do they're um, yeah they were there it's, it's the art of eight limbs and it was the most devastating thing ever yeah. they wouldn't carry weapons they carry they'd have they their, their elbows, elbows. <laughs> yeah, carry their elbows and their knees and stuff so yeah but yeah maybe like, but it's only like a hundred, if that years old. Like mm. it was, it only really came into prominence like after the war, really. Like in Brazil, when they started having all of the, um, or am I getting this wrong? No, I think it is. I think yeah. it's around about. They started doing years the, like the mm. open challenges and mm. stuff in Brazil, and then it yeah. started spreading a little bit. Yeah. But um, it could be the infancy of it, but also. Um, if you look at the body, if you think about the body and the way that we can move it, mm. um, in kickboxing, you're striking, you're moving your, your arms forward, your elbows, and, and different directions. I mean, does it, when it, in Thai boxing, we learn to do the elbows in all different ways. Um, but that's it. Once you've done those, that's it. But your yeah. body can move in so many different ways. I mean, mm. I remember speaking to um, my old coach's girlfriend, and I said to her once, I went, I just can't believe that my body can move the way it can I, n- I never realized that I could do this backwards roll and then like, my feet can shoot forward and that's it that's a nothing <laughs> move really but it's quite it, I don't know I never thought that my my body would be able to move like that but as you train more and you're uh, yeah it just it just becomes such a natural movement and I think that's all it is is we're getting used to using the body and mm. body body in so many different ways and that's what yeah. it is and yeah I don't think ever there'll be um a, a stopping point in jiu-jitsu no people will always refine techniques yeah definitely and they'll make them better and like I've heard it from I've heard it a lot from like black belts and stuff where like uh, in jiu-jitsu you don't really start learning jiu-jitsu until you're a black belt like everything up until that is like preamble and then mm. you really start to learn the the actual sport once you're a black belt because yeah. like that's pretty much when you have a, a firm enough grounding in the sport that you can make it your own essentially mm. and that's when 
I think people find the innovation because they'll focus on things that either they um, they struggle with or things that they um, they love doing, and then that's when they're like, "How do I hit this from here? How do yeah. I hit this from here?" And then I think the best thing for people to do in jiu-jitsu is in well whether you it is to teach class mm. that that I think everybody should learn to teach but if you don't have that opportunity to teach you should always pass on that knowledge to somebody else who doesn't know like give them the knowledge um my friend from my old kickboxing club Tari he always said to me make sure you pass it on mm. whatever you learn pass it on because you'll get more and more back and then you can pass it on so um and that's whenever you, uh, it, it just comes natural now anyway, but um, I, I hope that other people are like this in the class. But mm. if you see that somebody, maybe a new white belt comes in and their posture's all down and stuff, and you're like, don't put your hands on the mat, put your hands on the hips and keep your back straight. Even those little tips, you know, they it's passing it on, passing yeah. the knowledge on, and you're teaching, you are being a teacher. Because Lee, who's my professor, or Jez or whatever, um, they don't have the time to go around and saying, oh, yeah, you've got to go like this and you've got to go like that and make sure they're like this. Yeah. They just want to teach the, the technique in hand and make sure you're getting that right. All the other fundamentals, it takes so long to, yeah, to if you're going to correct everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if everybody in the class was able to help that new person out or the new people out, then... Mm. I have to admit, like... Um, since Haley started doing her women's classes, um, I've been able to teach a couple of them, mm. and it's been the most rewarding experience for me yeah. so far. Do you, I, fi- do you find though, when you teach, you learn so much more yourself? You're absorbing, yeah. you're breaking everything down, and then maybe if you show something, you think, oh, I do this all the time. I shouldn't really say it. I, 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 <laughs> I, I show something, and I think okay, I've missed that step. I need to make sure I've got to do that and I've got to do that. And um, and then I'll go back and I'll go, right, okay, just come around here. So I just want to show you a detail. Make sure you do this and make sure you do that, da, 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 da. And then um, and I, where I've broken it down, I'm absorbing all of that myself. I I take the, the two uh, women's classes that I, I teach in a week, I take that as a training class yeah. for me I'm not physically doing training but I'm mentally doing training I'm breaking mm. all the the techniques down and I'm absorbing everything myself yeah you're reinforcing the knowledge that you already have mm. through repetition mm. it's just like getting your reps in essentially mm. but because you have to break it down yourself it's more beneficial for your brain like um I I'm a kinesthetic learner, so um, I can't absorb information through just reading it or hearing Same. it. I have to write it down. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's one of the reasons I enjoy jiu-jitsu so much, because it's very hands-on. Like, mm. you get to experience the moves yourself. And, like, I find that the way I learn is, like, I get someone to do the move to me. I want to know how it feels to have the move done to me. Yeah. And... Um, I have to get people to feed back to me if, like, say I got uh, Haley or Stuart to show uh, me and my partner how to do it. I'll be like, oh, did that feel like when Stuart did it? 
or um, did that feel like when Hayley did it or whatever and um, like that's the feedback that I use mm. but then like I also have like the weird things like because I've got freakishly long arms and legs um, I have to adapt certain things where like if we're coming um, if we're doing uh, what's it called oh a side control escape to guard like because my legs are so freakishly long I can't like scoop them in mm-hmm. like enough so I have to I have to um shrimp out like twice yeah to get them in and stuff and um like when I see other people having issues with those aspects I'm like try try doing it twice mm-hmm. try doing this and like I like getting to give them like the little touches that I've figured out for myself or that someone else has told me yeah. so like passing on those little things is really like fun for me yeah actually I'm teaching it, it makes a big difference to a lot of people as well yeah those little tiny things that's it, <laughs> it it's so simple and it's going to make, make a massive difference to people yeah and like I'm taking next Friday's class because Hayley's going on holiday and I've been racking my brains over what I'm going to teach because like there are things that I like doing, but then there are also things that like I know people struggle with. Mm. So um, who was it? Someone in the class was like you need to teach us mountain escapes, and I was like, I know a few like decent mountain escapes. Mm. So I've been trying to think about the ones that I like the most and the ones that I get uh, a lot from, and how I actually do them. Because I've realised now that there are more steps than I, <laughs> I may have previously thought. It's all right, but you're you're going to break it down, and then you'll learn and you'll absorb it even more. Yeah, you won't. It'll become so much more natural for you well, just exactly. I, when I um, started teaching my class a couple of years ago I, like it's almost two and a half years ago now but um, uh, this is the one here in Southend but um, I, I was so scared to teach because I thought oh I'm only a purple belt I'm not really sure if I'm good enough to teach and um, I don't think I know the the exact movements and um, my uh, head instructor Lee he's been in black belt for years and he's going to be watching me and I, I was so scared all the time mm. but he's really great and um, I know that I've got quite a few techniques probably a little bit wrong <laughs> but anyway I just carried it on you know you just say yeah all right, yeah. I'll do it and style it out afterwards but um, I um, what I do now is um, with Denise um, Nelson Bell here she, um, she's been doing a lot of competitions this year so when she goes to a competition she comes back and right okay we need to work on that so f- for the last three weeks we've been working on guard stuff and we've been doing drilling arm bars and triangles and yeah. last competition she pulled off an amazing triangle and I was like see you can do this <laughs> and she was like I don't know where it come from and I said it's because we drill it all the time and it's muscle yeah. memory now and that's it it's re- repetition isn't it it's um yeah it's fun it's nice for me to see that yeah it's like that's what I enjoy most about teaching like especially if it's like a, a tiny detail that you've taught and you see someone use it you're like oh, yeah excellent and yeah then, like they'll come and speak to you afterwards like that did you see did you see what I did and I was like the best one was um she competed in the English Open last year <clears throat> and she got the girl and uh um she pulled her into she was in pulled the girl girl's posture down and um she was shrimping out and I went Denise I'm, I'm the worst for like 10 minutes, exactly <laughs> step by step do this do that do that and I went Denise take your left hand and put it on her lap and pull her into you and she did that and she got um the choke from the mm. back and I was like 
my God, she's won the English Open with a submission. <laughs> That's more than I've ever done. I've never won a medal at the English Open. So I, I was just like super proud of her. And it was her second competition as well. And I just thought, oh, my God, That's she's amazing. amazing. Yeah, because she listened. That's why so many people, mm. you coach them and they don't listen. I'm and... terrible for that. Like, I, I get so focused on what's happening that, like, I then everything just becomes noise. Mm. So, like, if I'm stuck or I'm on top and I'm trying to figure out what I want, like, that's when I start to hear people shouting at me and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I'll do that. The only time I get confused is when somebody tells me something in a way that I, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, I, I changed teams, at, uh, like, three and a half, three years ago or something like that, um, three and a half years ago. So um, the way that we would say take the um I can't remember how we used to talk about it now but anyway um cross face is what mm. we do now and I'm like what is that I don't know what you're talking about and I'd be in a really good position and I wouldn't get what they was talking about so and then I'd lose the position so that was my only downfall but most of the time um most of the time you kind of know in in a competition what you're doing and you yeah. can see the positions anyway and when you're in a when you're in um, the tournaments, all you really need is like, go on, Jolie. <laughs> go on, there you go. I you remember, that's it. I remember uh, when I, at Bluebell, uh, I went to every single competition. I, 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 mm. I, yeah, I kind of won like everything. Like me at White at, Belt. Yeah, I won, won everything at Bluebell. Did every competition. I had the time to do it. And I didn't have a dog at the time either. So it was, <laughs> I was travelling all over the place. So you kind of know what you're doing, and I would, that was it. My life was jiu-jitsu. I just used to train like six times a week and so on, um, six days a week, should say. And you, um, yeah, most of the time you just, I, I got to um, uh, my last competition at Bluebell. It was the World Masters, yeah. and it was in LA at the time. And I saw um, a friend of mine, Kirsty, and she went, oh, I'll be at the side, I'll be cheering for you. And I was thinking, please don't say anything, because I don't know what you're going to say. <laughs> and uh, all I could hear was, go on, Jolie, you can do it. Go on, Jolie. And that was it. That's all I heard. And I was just doing my thing. I passed the guard. And, yeah, I think I won by three points. And that was it. I just won on points on that um, that tournament. And uh, when I saw Kirsty afterwards, she went, oh, I'm so proud of you, Jolie. I just didn't want to say anything other, one, other than, go on, Jolie. And I went, I'm so glad you did that. Because, I, yeah, if she had said something, it would have confused me and I, I would have lost my focus. And Yeah. But no, she did the right thing. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was fun. Blue belt's the best belt to go and, and mm. compete at because you know you're going to get a fight. White belt was a bit difficult. I didn't win anything at white belt. Um, it was still a massive learning curve for me, and I was a bit older than everybody else as well. Mm. There was no masters to be. When did you start belt. your train? Like, you, you how old you, was I? You started training in like 2011. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was 34. Oh shit! Yeah, I'm 41 now. <laughs> ah, look, that's a real late bloomer. Yeah. Like, although, like I, when I started. I think I was like 29, 30. I think I was about 30 mm. when I started. Yeah, I don't know I, why I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, 34, but uh, I never used to... Age is, is nothing now. And I mean, mm. I, 
as you get older, your heart rate slows down, so you are going to be that slightly bit smaller, uh, smaller uh, slower than somebody who's 18 years old or 20, 21, whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm not as fast. And also as well, this, this is what's great about the Masters divisions as well. You know that if you're going to go to the World Masters now, I'm in Master 3, I know that I'm not going to come up against somebody who's a full-time athlete. Mm. Because somebody my age is going to have a job, they're probably going to have kids, they're going to have other responsibilities, and they're probably going to be training three, four, five times a week, yeah. evenings or whatever. So, um, and it's their hobby, that's what they do, that's their, their therapy and their release and everything. Whereas if you're going to train, um, so if you're going to compete against somebody who's under 30, they're more than likely... It's dead. That's, job. that's what they're doing if they're yeah. going to go to a high level competition like the world's then that's what they do they've got their sponsors to pay for them and mm. they're there's something special that you that's can't the just go there as a hobby <laughs> yeah. but actually saying that now um last year i was in um, master two the end of the master two and i did feel like um well, I had Sophie Cox in my division at the World Masters, and mm. I, we was on the opposite side of the bracket, but um, I didn't fight her, but she won anyway. But she's still a full-time athlete, and yeah. she's in Master 2, so people are continuing um, that kind of training as they're getting older. Yeah, and it's a good thing. Like, um, I do want to talk a little bit about um, the inclusion of the... like. The women's divisions up to Master Sevens mm-hmm. now. Yeah, two seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know it's amazing. It's really good. Like when um, Karen Peters, who uh, she comes from Gilroy BJJ in California, and she she was talking to her coach about it, and I think she's in Master Five. Mm. Yeah, Master Five. So he said, "Oh, you're going to do the pans and." She's probably like, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. What's the point? It only goes up to Master 1. And he yeah. didn't know that. Carlos didn't know it. And he said, we've got to change this. This isn't fair. Yeah. If you're fighting somebody who's 30 years old, um, no, it's not fair. So they put out the petition. Um, and when you compete in America and internationally, you get to know a lot of people. And yeah. America's got... Um, it, it, it's is huge over there and... You know what Americans like. They don't like to leave the country, do they? So yeah. it's great for them because they can go around to all these different tournaments and um, every state is like leaving the country anyway yeah. for them. Yeah. So, so you get to meet a lot of people. And um, my friend Gina, I thought her the first time I went to the World Masters, she she added me to the group, the um, Masters 2-7 group. And I was thinking, oh, this is a great thing to have this petition. Yeah, all right, okay, we need 100,000 names. Yeah, that could, probably, that could be possible. Um, and they did it. They got it. And they included the divisions in the pans for the first time ever. Yeah. So um, I thought, I, that's the only competition I haven't done in America, one of the major ones. Um, there are some others. I'd like to go to uh, one of the Brazilian competitions, but I just thought, oh, okay, it could be a cheap-ish trip for me because all I need is my flight and I could go and stay with my aunt and uncle who live in San Diego. Um, so the tournament was in um, in Los Angeles at the Bren Center. So 
I booked it. I just thought, yeah, I'm going to go. This is history in the making. And I did go there and I didn't do very well because I had a broken hand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I broke it two weeks beforehand. But um, I just wanted to be part of the atmosphere and it was great. It was really, really good. And um, Because it was heaving as well. It was. So many people signed up for it. Yeah, yeah. And in such a short space of time as well. So, um, yeah, it was nice. It was a, a... it was a good sense of camaraderie as well. And Karen got some T-shirts made up, so I wore, my, wore mine the next day, um, or the day I was competing, that was it. And um, this lady come over to me, Cynthia, her name is. I see her at loads of competitions. Anyway, she come up to me, and she's done started doing this with a hoodie and I'm thinking oh my god what is she doing <laughs> she, she just lifted up a hoodie and she showed that she had the same t-shirt on as me and I just thought oh you're there as well you're with us so yeah no it was really good it was a it was um a massive achievement and since then they've been working um or well they worked on pushing getting so many people into the world masters people who had never competed before um mm women who were in their 60s you know yeah. and they're like blue belts and Helen um, went out to fight it. again I know I know it's like brilliant that made me so happy yeah well she she'd had injuries and yeah. never thought that she was going to fight again uh, it's amazing the fact that and it's it's not cheap to go to Las Vegas no um but they they give you enough time. I mean, they've even put the dates out for next year, which is great because then you can start saving up and doing all your one-to-ones and getting, <laughs> getting as much money together as possible. But, um, yeah, I do believe next year there'll probably be 100 more women, if yeah. not more, than there was this year. Because there was over 200 wi- more women this year than there was last year. Shit. It's incredible. That's insane. Do you know, um, oh, what's her name? I think it's uh, Betty Broadhurst. She, uh, what's that guy's name? Is it Gordon Ryan? He even, mm. he even yes. tweeted stuff. He said, she's looking for a match. She's Master what, Seven, uh, Purple Bell, Middleweight or something like that. She's looking for a match. And she got it. She got her match. <laughs> I, was, I saw that on um, on Facebook. It's just him with her. like yeah. And I'm like... Someone please fight her. Yeah. I yeah, do. I have to admit, I do like Gordon Ryan. Like he's gone over to MMA now. I believe, I don't, I'll be honest bit. with you. I know his name, but I don't follow him. This, I I'm not very good at following so many jiu-jitsu people, especially mm. the guys. I like to follow the women. Mm. Um, maybe because I find them a bit more inspirational. The guys, there's yeah. so many of them, you know. But the women, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to. Well, men, it's a dime a dozen. It's yeah, fine. that's it. That's it. But it, there's a few that stand out, of course. So mm. yeah, but I like to follow the women because yeah, it's good to have theirs them as inspiration but yeah like it's one of the reasons that i do this because (laughs) i get to meet all of these really inspirational women and find out like what their drive was to um not just like take up the sport but most of the people i've spoken to have like been quite successful um in competition everything as Mm. well so it's really nice to see how um people's mindsets and their games and everything that have evolved over time and like Mm. their reasons for being in the sport it's all um, like I do find that like most people's stories are very similar in that they've always done some kind of sport or martial art or it's um 
something that they found to help um, get them through something. Mm-hmm. But um, well, initially, well, I I wanted to do kickboxing initially because I I love the film anyway. But um, I got into a fight when I was twenty five years old. No, twenty no twenty four years old, and I could not fight at all. I didn't really know how to punch. Don't get me wrong, we're good friends now. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, uh, I hate to say it, we fought over a guy. But anyway, love it. Um, yeah, no, we had we had a fight. Um, uh, I I used to DJ on a, a radio station, a few radio stations actually, even pirate radio stations. So anybody who doesn't know me, that's what I did. I still do. You can see that's the decks behind thing me. That I wanted to speak yeah, to you yeah, about. Yeah, no, you can see the decks behind me. I see I haven't packed them away yet. But um, uh, yeah. So I used to um DJ on pirate radio station, and one night. I don't want to say her name actually, but we do laugh about it. Even last week, I saw her, and she was like, "Do you remember that night that we had to fight?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you pulled half my hair out. <laughs> I was punching you in the stomach. Didn't know what I was doing, but I just thought I, um, because I'm small and I've got a soft voice, and most people think I'm like 16 years old because of the way I speak. <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I did get. I didn't really get bullied at school, but there was a few girls who weren't very nice to me, and I just always wanted to... Punch them in the face, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always wanted to be able to look after myself. And my mum and dad always said to me, always stand up for yourself. Mm. Don't let anyone bully you. Always stand up for yourself. So I did. That's That was drilled into me. I couldn't fight, but I stood up for myself. I remember this girl in school, Cassie Wright. I don't mind telling you her name because she was horrible. And I always wonder, <laughs> no, I always wonder where she went. Um, I tried to look her up on Facebook, but she's probably in prison now. So <laughs> she's, she wasn't a very nice person, but she, she started on me. And um, she went to punch me and I grabbed her wrist. And she went to punch me with the other hand and grabbed her wrist. And then she kneed me in the crutch. And I was there like, this really hurts so badly, but I'm not going to show the pain. And I went, you're ridiculous. And I just turned my back and I walked away. And I was hurting so badly. <laughs> I'm trying to walk normally. But like, guys don't realise when you get kneed down yeah. there, it really does hurt. It hurts as much as probably what it does for a guy. And I didn't want this. I didn't want to be yeah. the small person who couldn't um, couldn't stand up for themselves. But I did. I always would. I'd always stand up for myself. And my friend who I had to fight with, um, she started on me. And I thought, right, okay. And I gave her a front kick. I'd just finished my radio show and she went. She was going on afterwards. And um, years ago when we did the London Pirates, stations you'd have like half an hour sometimes 45 minutes worth of adverts to pay for um pay for all the the rigs that they'd got all the aerials and everything that would go up on the roofs so um yeah so we had plenty of time to have a fight (laughs) 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 but yeah i gave her a front kick and she was like oh i was like get out of my way and we was in the hallway i was like get out of my way and i opened the door and i went out to my car and um, she shouted something and I shouted something and it just riled her and that was it she came over to me and was having a proper fight and yeah my ex-boyfriend her boyfriend at the time she's not with him anymore but he pulled us away and uh, as I got back in my car I was like oh man my head hurts and I just pulled a load of hair out I was like oh god okay so um, I didn't tell anybody about that fight and then uh, loads of people seemed to know about it <laughs> the DJ scene and everything it's like oh okay alright so she's she's told everybody but yeah 
we laugh about it now. We thought it was funny, especially if she's not with him anymore. And it's like, I can't believe we fought over this guy. He was <laughs> he such wasn't a even, dick. Yeah, no, he wasn't even anything great. And we was like, well, she's a bit older than me, but about 24 25 but um yeah i just that was it that was probably the turning point okay kickbox a, a movie but no this is it i need to learn how to fight i need to learn i can stand up for myself but i can't fight so um yeah no i, I i've always been that person i've always been if anybody says anything to me um and I don't like it, or it's degrading, or anything like that, I'm going to stand up for myself. Yeah, it's always cool, been that way. My mum and dad told me to say that. They told me to stand up for myself. So, yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but, like, but, yeah. I've never been very good at, um, like, confrontation. Like, I, I always used to shy away from difficult conversations with people. Mm. I don't never really liked that and like I, I struggle to maintain eye contact with people and mm. things like that like there is um there was a point where I um like I did think that I was like on the spectrum but um I'm not and it's, but I, I do still like think about why can't I maintain yeah. eye contact with someone like, like I don't find them intimidating or anything like that but um, like with the whole. It, were with, you shy when you were growing up? I I don't think it was shyness because me and my brother were very. Uh, well, we were little bastards, really. So like when you're a bit like exuberant and outgoing, you don't really care. Uh-huh. But um, when puberty here I kind of retired into myself where I was struggling with like all of the stuff around my gender so um I kind of started building walls between myself and people and then I think like that's where these problems come from now where Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with um confrontation with people but um like nowadays like um I'm I have a it's not a high-powered job, but I'm I'm reasonably high in a mm. hierarchy at an insurance company, and I need to be able to have difficult conversations with people. So um, when I initially got my job, I bought like five different books about managing people and how to have difficult conversations, how to like manage meetings and things like mm. that, because it's not something that I've ever had to deal with before. And mm. when I've had to have difficult conversations with people it was very much um oh so um um, and then like I'd always like look away from them or look around them and things like that but um actually looking people in the eye and having like the difficult conversation especially when they've done something and you have to you've got to be really diplomatic yeah as well you don't want to offend them but you've got to be (laughs) yeah (laughs) quite um stern as well and you've got to get to the point but this is the thing like the people that I have working with me are like I don't just consider them colleagues I consider them friends because I've never understood the mentality of oh it's just a job like the people that I work with I want to be able to get along with because I spend like eight hours a day ten hours a day Mm. sometimes with these people and like of course I'm going to want to work with people who I enjoy yeah um but when you're really friendly with someone, like, it, 
my manager had the same mentality when he came in. He was like, you can't be friends with your staff, otherwise it makes those difficult conversations even more difficult. Mm. But um, I didn't listen, and now I, like, I had to reprimand one of my staff the other day because um, I'd spent a week saying that uh, we had we were having resourcing problems because um, like we don't have enough resource to fulfil a lot of the projects that they've requested. And um, I gave an estimate on a big piece of work and said it's going to take this long to do it and then one of the guys who works for me went into a meeting specifically about that and said oh yeah I could knock that out in like a day or two and I was like mm. why did you do that <laughs> you piece of shit mm. like completely undermined everything that I told these people and I was like oh now I've got to take him into a room and have this different conversation uh, with him see I, I was a, a really shy kid mm. but I had confidence to do stuff does that make sense? I, I, yeah. Um, if I could, I would go on a really fast roller coaster. I'd have the confidence to do something really scary like that, or I would um, go up to somebody and I would just. But I was really shy. Mm. Um, I, I totally believe in in um, astronomy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm a Leo. I'm a lion. I'll hold back and I'll watch what's going on, and I don't want to like pounce and make myself look stupid because it will dent my pride. So mm. I watch and I see what's going on and I, I suppose when I, I was growing up I was quite shy and I wasn't coming out of my shell that much. Um, but now I still do the same thing but I'm with my job as well. I meet so many people and I've got to deal with so many people. Mm. So, um, And teaching as well, that's another thing as well. You, you're there teaching a technique. Not only have you got to get it right, you've got to be quite charismatic and you've got to be, because you want people to come back to your class yeah. again. But also you want them to listen. You yeah, need to hold you their w- attention. Exactly. Yeah. So um, the shyness has completely gone. Like, it, it went years ago. And I've still got that um, that confidence to do stuff as well. I don't mind. I'll, I'll go and do something mm. that's like so scary. I don't mind. I'll just go and do it. <laughs> like we were talking before this, like um, how like my personality kind of had to change like once I uh, started my transition so Mm. beforehand I was very reclusive I didn't really go out talk to people or anything like that um my wife and I used to go to uh Thorpe Park religiously we had like the Merlin Pass so Mm. we'd go like every other week and do all of this but I would just sit at the bottom of the rides and write and uh she would go off and do all of the rides because I was terrified of actual rides and um, what did we do? We went to Disneyland for our... We went for my birthday, but it was her treat because she's the one who loved, um, what's it called, uh, rides and stuff. Mm. And like we just had like a whole lot of difficult conversations about uh, me and my transition and everything. So things were a bit weird. And I was like, look, I'm going to have to do a lot of things that are very scary soon so what i'm gonna do is we're gonna go to disneyland (laughs) and i'm gonna go on all of the rides no matter how terrified i am and i was terrified going on to everything and um but it was like literally the best day we'd had in such a long time Mm. like um things i thought i would absolutely loathe were amazing like we went on the um the haunted mansion ride where you Mm. go up in the lift and then it just drops you and things like that and oh what was it 
loving a roller coaster or something. Uh, See, I don't, I don't think the um, uh, I went to Disneyland, the one in LA last year, and I don't think their rides are that scary. But they're really good. They're fun. Mm, yeah, me, they're yeah. fun. But the haunted house was closed. Space Mountain was closed. I'm like, man, I've come all the way from England to be a, to go on Space Mountain, and you've closed it. We only went to Paris. It was fine. Yeah, no, but they they're all like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. You've come oh, all this way, and they really take it to heart. I'm like, it's like, fine. I'm it's all right. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's all right. Don't worry about it. There's a few other rides, but yeah, no, I love Disney. It's fun. Mm. Then when we came back, like we um for our for her birthday we both took a week off work and we went around the country and toured all of the theme parks oh nice okay it was it was a really good week um we had a lot of fun and um i lost my glasses on the second day (laughs) which was brilliant um but like that experience in itself like just showed me that like a lot of the things that I was scared of were because I didn't want to put yeah. myself out there. Yeah. And, like I had the same issue with jujitsu, mm. um, which ridiculously I didn't really start feeling until uh, I started competing. So like when I was training normally, it was fine. Like uh, I I really enjoyed everything. But then I noticed more and more in training when I was competing regularly that um I was having panic attacks when. Um, I had someone on my back or someone had me in mount and they were like trying to smother me or something and I it got really bad once when um, he was a brown belt at the time he's a black belt now his name's Daniel Lewis he's a black belt under Kev Um, he's a black belt now yeah when did he get his black belt he got his black belt (laughs) um, end of last year I believe Really? Yeah. He sent me a message just yesterday, actually. God, no I didn't even know he got his black belt. Yeah, he got his black belt. Him, Chris Fensum, and I think someone else all got their black belt on the same day. I thought he was still brown belt. That's amazing. I'm going to send you a message after this and say, <laughs> what happened? How did I miss that? Uh, well, maybe I did, didn't miss it. Maybe I did say congratulations. <laughs> I just see his post all the time and I'm like, 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 like. Or laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a great guy. He's a really good person to roll with as well. Even though he's a lot bigger than me, but he's he's like a gentle giant. He's really, really technical. He, he did more for me in one day than anyone has ever done for me in jiu-jitsu. Um, like, in, like, the whole time um when everything kicked off on the underground um i was supposed to be going to train in aylesbury uh that point and like i sent him a message just saying oh, i'm no he sent me a message and said um whatever you're doing tomorrow just call it off and come to the gym and don't worry about anything i was like i i really don't want to do anything mm. he was like no 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 just come um i'll just come, we'll have a chat, we'll do whatever. And um like I went to the gym and uh I did the afternoon class with um him and Kev and then afterwards he like he rolled me for about an hour and crushed me every single time. <laughs> like my spirit, my love for jujitsu, everything. Mm. And like he just wanted to show me that like 
I didn't have to stop. There was no reason to stop. Mm. No one really cares what anyone on the underground said. And like, we had a really nice conversation afterwards where he was just like, you need to understand what it is you want from jiu-jitsu. If you said to me that you wanted to quit because it was your decision, it had nothing to do with these people, then fine. Mm. I, I don't mind. But if mm. you're going to stop because other people think that you shouldn't be doing it, then I'm not going to let you. Mm. And like, um, yeah, I cried on my way home after that <laughs> conversation, mm. welling up a little bit now, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, like Dan, Dan has helped me so much over the past couple of years. But you've got to look back at the underground and all the comments and everything, and that must have been a devastating time for you. But really, it was actually quite a good time. It yeah. was some it, because. For me, anyway, listening to your podcast with Dan, I don't know anything about it. That's that's purely yeah. why I listened to that podcast because I wanted to find out. And I'm sure there was hundreds of people who were, um, were thinking along the same lines as me. I need to find out what's going on. Like I've heard yeah. of this. I've heard the transgender and you know this kind of stuff. And yeah, that's purely the reason. And it, you you have inspired a lot of people you've um made it aware you know i know there's a lot mm. of people in jiu-jitsu have gone through the same thing as you and i i spoke to a friend of mine and um, when we was in vegas actually and we was talking a lot about it and 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 there are there are um a few people in jiu-jitsu who have gone through the transition and um but they they don't speak about it and yeah in a way i think it's kind of sad because there's a lot of people who could probably do with that information yeah um so like there are there are a couple of reasons for it and i understand it it's most it's very much the same way as people view living their day-to-day life as well so um like there are people who want to get through their transition and just kind of forget about it Mm. and not have to deal with that aspect of their life anymore especially the people who like kind of blend quite well they don't need to keep up the the label of trans they just like go through their day-to-day lives and they um don't really address it Mm. um like it's the same i i can imagine it's the same with the people in jujitsu like it's been such a massive part of their lives that they're tired of talking about it Mm. and it like if it doesn't affect other people to them then it doesn't really matter Mm. so um but like at the same time like I do believe people need to be educated because there is a lot of misinformation about trans people in general that's Mm. being circulated by people who um and it's really only since like the trans things kicked off in general. But the thing like, is, they can read an article online and it doesn't necessarily have to be true. Yeah. And they've read that and they, they that's it. Okay, I've read and mm. I understand now, but you really need to read a bit more or oh, yeah. speak to somebody who's going for it. But there's, um, it. there are a couple of hate groups at the moment who are feeding a lot of misinformation to the general public because of the, um, what is it, the gender recognition the Gender Recognition Act, like, uh, proposal that's being pushed through. And, like, they're 
going with the rhetoric that the US did like a few years ago with the whole bathroom bill thing where it's like do you want a man in the toilet with your daughter it's like oh yeah yeah I saw that I saw that yeah is that gonna happen no no like I've talked about I it. I think you shared it. Did, did you share it? The the video. It was totally wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I was like, it, so you really that's have a... to question it. Like, yeah. well, Why are they even doing that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, that's a rapist in a bathroom. Mm. Like, you're like that person can say whatever, but like, what many people in the UK don't understand is like, there are no laws about bathrooms. Mm. Like, there are like icons on there, which is a social contract saying. Like, men won't come past this point, women go, yeah. won't go past that point. But there's no law to say that they can't use either one, mm-hmm. because if you need the toilet, you need the toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that people should be excluded from using those facilities, because they're worried about what people will think of them when they go in. Um, but at the, at the same time, it's, it's difficult for people, especially when you can't rationalise the... Um, the like change from one to another they a lot of people focus solely on the physical change and they don't understand that it's not necessarily a physical change it's uh, the physical changes are brought about because of the mental um image this person has in mm. their head so like i never seen myself as male and all I did was fix the thing that's going to be easiest to fix, which was my body, mm. to represent that more um, authentically to how I see myself. Mm. So um, it's never going to be perfect because I've like I kind of had a male socialization growing up, so I I do have like a lot of internal issues with like. Um, like I, I do have a lot of internalized transphobia. I don't really have um, any issues with the the trans uh, community, but I have issues with myself, mm. where I um I I have a very negative inner monologue, <laughs> which <laughs> isn't fun at all. Mm. And I I do try to reconcile those things by speaking out about the things that I can have an impact on. And um, I don't know. It's all. It's all really weird, and I don't understand, like, society's focus on our bodies. Like, in no other setting on the planet would someone go, "Do you have a willy?" (laughs) 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 What? (laughs) Have Have you had your surgery? Have you done this? Have you done this? I'm like, I've got no issues of people asking questions and stuff, but. Like, I do wish that people would be a bit more tactful about it. (laughs) It's just a bit weird. They probably don't know how to be tactful. How do you say that? But, like, I was at my my niece's birthday party in January, and um, my sister came up to me, like, halfway through the night, and she was like, my friend's just turned up. And I looked over, and her eyes just lit up, and she's like, she knows that you're trans and like someone in her family is kind of going through the change she just wants to ask you loads of questions i told her to try and keep it like just keep it down (laughs) but um she obviously had like a a lot that she wanted to talk to me about like ah it's fine like i i I genuinely have no issues of talking to anyone about anything to do with uh being trans or things that come with it because like you were saying 
if you haven't experienced it, then it's foreign to you. Mm. So the best I can do is try and explain it, or at least explain my experience to other people. Yeah. To try and enlighten them. Yeah. And um, like this conversation went on for ages, and like um, <laughs> the language that she used was a little bit offensive, but at the same time, I knew it came from like a nice place. Mm. Like she just wanted to understand what her um what was it, cousin or a niece or nephew or something was going through, and I was just like, get through this, don't don't call her on the bullshit, just make her aware of um, like some language that we don't necessarily like mm. being used, but um, <laughs> it's, it's fun, <laughs> it's an interesting existence, I have to admit, but um, I can't remember what we were talking about before this now. <laughs> Uh, we started talking about Dan Luce, didn't we? Uh, I don't know what I was talking about. You were having a conversation. You were training with him. That was it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah after, after the after underground, the underground yeah. and all of that shit kicked off. Yeah. But yeah. Um. Okay. So whilst we've lost our place, I, I kind of want. <laughs> I do want to go back. Um. Okay. So where was it that you started training? Like. I started training at Carlton Gracie in Essex, um, under Alan Pozo, and. Um, I trained there for a little while and really, I did, the, my first competition was um, the English Open, I think I did it after like, three or four months or something like that of regular training and um, yeah, I lost, <laughs> I, I didn't lose spectacularly, I didn't get choked or anything but I didn't really know what I was doing and um, uh, I just wanted to see what it was like because I'd done kickboxing competitions before and I just wanted, I probably should have gone to a competition to watch what was going on and get a little bit more of an understanding of jiu-jitsu and the, the point system and everything. But I just went and, um, yeah, I, we got stuck in someone's guard and then I got stuck in someone's half guard and I left, lost both fights, but no, it's fine. And then um, I actually went to, uh, a few months afterwards, I went to Brazil. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to go to Fosu Iguazu and because uh, and I started training jiu-jitsu, I was like, oh, Okay, yeah, I'll take a gi with me. And when I was in Rio, um, I trained at um, an alliance gym with Alessandra Paiva, and I trained at um, Novogorosau as well. Um, my coaches, my coach at the time, his friend Eduardo, he was in Rio. It was quite surreal, really. <laughs> and uh, Eduardo, he sent me a text message or a message on Facebook or whatever, and uh, he said. I'll meet you at point eight or something like that. They have these uh, numbers along the beach on Ipanema Beach, and uh, I met him. I was like, okay, number eight. Okay, I'm gonna walk down the beach, and there was Eduardo, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe you're in Rio and you're not in Ipswich. <laughs> but, um, that's where he used to teach his classes there, because um, he was my my coach's friend, and um, yeah, it was really cool. So he. Um, he introduced me to Toko, who was his coach when he was growing up and he was living in, in Brazil. And they were great. I, I really liked it. The, the gym was literally, the mat space was probably just a little bit bigger than this living room. And I was so impressed with the, the, the way that they would just use the area. It was like nobody bumped into one another. No, to be fair, it's probably a lot bigger than this living room. But um, it, it wasn't a big gym, not like my my gym that mm. I train in now. 
and yeah they utilize the space really well and um a short warm-up i mean it was brazil it was february it was really hot and it's around carnival time and um and then when they would spar a not everybody would spar at the same time some people would sit out and then the next round okay they get in and they go out and it, it they would take it in turns you know and they would train for quite a while doing that and uh, i loved it and i, I kept going the i was in Rio for about five days and uh, yeah trained at the Alliance gym as well because um, a friend of mine he said oh you've got to go and train with Alexander Pipe it's amazing so he he was from an Alliance gym and yeah they they let me in so I was like okay <laughs> I'm, not, I'm causing crazy I'm not even uh, not even part of Alliance but yeah that was it was really cool I can't remember what I learned but I was white belt at the time but um I wish I went there after a couple of years of doing jiu-jitsu but yeah. I was so so into I just wanted to get to Brazil and the fact that I was training uh, jiu-jitsu and I was making a dream of mine happen as well to go to Foster Iguazu and I went down there for a couple of nights and then I went up to Salvador to Bahia and went to the carnival and uh, yeah it was amazing it was an amazing trip it was really good and it was it was actually the first time I went anywhere in the world where I didn't know anybody and I didn't, well apart from Eduardo, but literally getting to a strange country and not knowing anybody, not meeting family, not meeting a friend, not meeting anybody, that was my trip, I was I was doing yeah. that and I was like 34 years old, because <laughs> I've always gone somewhere in the world, I was DJing for such a long time and I used to get um, flown all around the world and you get chaperones, so you're meeting somebody, although you don't know them, or you're meeting a promoter, um, yeah, so you know of that person, yeah. but Brazil was the first time I was like, no, this is it, I'm, I'm on my own, but I met some really cool people, actually, I stayed in contact with them, and one lady, she um, she's from Australia, Melbourne, her name is Bridget, and she said, um, yeah, my sister, she trains jiu-jitsu, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, it's probably traditional jiu-jitsu. Okay, all right, it's probably not Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Anyway, she was like, yeah, yeah, she, um, she's been doing it a little while now, and I, I didn't really take it on board. Um, she just told me uh, her name and so on. And then um, when I came back, I spoke to a few people, and I said, oh, I met this girl. She's from Australia, Melbourne, and her sister is um, Maryam Malay. And I was like, no way, she, she's like world champion, brown belt from uh, Australia. And I was like, oh really? Okay, I just totally um, disregarded her. Yeah, and I, ca I came back from Brazil and I, I did um, a no-gi competition and I won my first fight and I lost in the final, there was only three of us. And I was like, right, okay, this is good. Um, I'm going to get into it now, do as many competitions as possible. And I did... Um, I think it was Pippa Granger, she, yeah, it was Pippa, she organised a women's only um, mm. competition at Camberley Judo Club, and it was really great, I think the highest level was blue belt, that's when Carolina and Natalia uh, Cariello, those blue belts, and yeah, it was really good, and I competed there, and I got bronze medal, I think, um, I lost my first fight, but I won my second, they had a rep charge. And um, I finished the competition, went round the corner, stopped off in the petrol garage, and uh, I could hear this Australian voice, and I'm thinking, I recognise that voice. <laughs> and I turned around, and it's Bridget, Marianne's sister, and I went, 
what are you doing in England? The last time I saw you was in Brazil. And she, um, she was like, what a strange meeting. She said, what, what are you doing here? And I said, oh, I was in a jiu-jitsu tournament around the corner. And she went, oh, I'm just visiting my friend. I don't even live anywhere here. I live in northwest <laughs> London. And this is like in Surrey. And uh, yeah, I just thought this world is so small. And in 2013, over 2014, I went to Australia and I trained with um, Marianne and she's amazing. She's an amazing instructor and incredible person. And um, I remember one year they all went to the Worlds. It was either the World No Gi or or it was the Gi. But from their gym, there was four of them and they all won double gold. And in the team trophies, I think they come third place or something like that. It was like, how does that even happen? There's four people from this little gym. It's not little anymore, it's massive. Um, it's the place where you want to go. If you go to Melbourne, mm. you want to train it, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they were, yeah, it was incredible. And she's an amazing instructor. And it just goes to show how jiu-jitsu makes the world so small. <laughs> it's true. But that's what I love about it as well. You end up, you meet so many people, and I mean, Facebook helps because you can keep in contact with people. And um, with the internet as well, the best invention ever. <laughs> it's, uh, um, yeah, you can look people up and remember who mm. they are, and yeah, it's great. It is great. Yeah, like I've um, I got uh, invited to a an LGBT community for jujitsu on uh, Facebook and um, like they've just had their first like proper meetup of like everyone in the group and uh, I couldn't go because I was it was like the week before my surgery and I was like oh, oh no I can't I can't go and then um, so they announced their second one and I literally booked my ticket straight away so I'm mm-hmm. going to Austin Texas um, in February next year I think it's near my birthday now that I think about it um, so yeah I'm going over there for like five days just to train jiu-jitsu with all of these, uh, what's it called, like LGBT people, which is super cool. One of them's like a, a black belt under Henzo Gracie. Um, there's most of them are like blue belts and stuff, but it's just it'll be nice to roll with other like gay and trans people, really. Mm, so yeah, like yeah. just getting everyone like together. So I'm really excited about that. I really wanted to go to. Um, you know, Jess Fraser from, um, oh, what is it? I've got Alliance in my head, but it's not. Um, is it Valiant? No. Oh, how have I forgotten? Uh, like she, uh, she's in a gym in Sydney, but oh, okay. she arranges the uh, Girls and Geese competition oh, in okay. Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's invited me to the, um, uh, the camp for the past two years mm. and I've kept saying no but next year I want to say yes and yeah. it's in January and then I was like can I go can I go I can go can I go I can go and I've been trying to like figure out like the times because the flights are ridiculous it's like what 24 26 hours on a plane and um, going... I, when I went to Australia I stopped over in Bangkok stopped for the night it's probably the best thing I ever did because mm. then it breaks it up a bit you know you can get out stretch yeah. your legs go for a beer have some <laughs> green curry <laughs> yeah it's nice go for a walk down Koh Town Road but um I I did that and yeah it was good 
I, I don't think I'd be very happy if I had to do the full 24 hours. Flight. Oh, yeah, yeah no. It's hard, hard like, work. All of the flights I've seen either stop in Thailand or they stop. Um, oh, what is it? Um, Singapore. Yeah, on the way back, actually, I had a friend. Um, I had a friend. I've got <coughs> friends. She was living in. Um, she was living in Singapore, so um, I went to Singapore and met her for three nights, and she showed me about. And I said, "How many times have you done this boat tour?" She went, oh, "You're the fourth one." <laughs> <laughs> Everybody goes and visits her. She does the same thing with her, but bless her, she don't live there anymore. She lives in Hong Kong. So, but um, yeah, and then I went on to Thailand afterwards for uh, ten days and come home. So it's good to break it up if you can do mm. that. Uh, my issue is I've I've, um, I've never really been a traveller ever like I didn't leave the country until I was like 28 29 oh really yeah Mm. um, I I like familiar things (laughs) so um, like when I went to uh, Paris to Disneyland that was like the first time I properly left the country did you go on the train yes yeah it's good on the train I love it it was really cool Um, but like after that, we went to uh, Fuengarola in Spain. Oh, that's where my mum and dad used to live. Yeah, it yeah. was so nice. Yeah. We went for a walk along the beach and we ended up like by this uh, old castle. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> nice there. It's really nice. Years ago, it was a little bit grotty, but they put money into the, the mm. community and they did it up. And yeah, it's a nice place. But my mum and dad lived there for 10 years. It was great because um, when I started jiu-jitsu, I was, I was going to, uh, well, as you do, you get online and you start looking, right, okay, I'm going to visit my mum and dad for a week, but I want to go and train jiu-jitsu. And yeah, as a white belt, I um, uh, I looked up um, Roger Gracie in Malaga and um, I'd borrow my mum and dad's car and go down there and no one spoke English apart from Pablo. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite difficult. And um, my Spanish is terrible. I understand people, but mm. I've learned Spanish three times, but I don't keep it up enough to, <laughs> to keep to keep in there and yeah. um, be able to converse with everybody. So um, one one girl, Luna, she, um, she was just like, I want to talk to you all the time because I want to learn English. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. So every time I went back to Malaga... I'd go there and I'd train and Luna, her English was getting a little bit better and better and better and better. And then um, I saw her at the Europeans, that was when my mum and dad come. We were both white belts and yeah, we had a picture together. This is so great, this is so good. And then I'd go back to Malaga and then we both got our our blue belts about the same time and then we both got our purple belts about the same time. And it was really good and because the club was growing as well. It was getting huge and I was getting a lot more women on the mats as well. And we'd see everybody at the Europeans, they'd all be there. And it was it was really good. And then um, Sam Terry, um, he set up his own gym. Uh, he was taking a lot of the classes at RGA in Malaga. And then he set up his own gym with Luke Barnett. And I went down there and just did a one-to-one with Sam Terry. But it was always good to train with Amelia and because um, she's she's the same size as me as well and that's a good thing it's like wherever you go there's jiu-jitsu mm. everywhere <laughs> I love it <laughs> so it's so great I mean um, I've got a student Wendy she's a friend and um, all my students are my friends <laughs> but she's uh, she's touring at the moment she's an actor and she's touring America so she's um, she said to me every state I go to I want to train jiu-jitsu 
and she's she went to oh god where, did she, where was she first Kentucky or something like that so she trained at a gym there and then she popped to um Chicago for the weekend and she went it's Sunday and I don't know I want to go training and where would you is there anywhere I should train she said there's this place and I went oh my god you need to go to Carson Gracie headquarters go and train with my friend Rudy so she went there and bless her she's a white belt one stripe and uh She's tiny. She's. I think she's even smaller than me. And there <laughs> she was. <laughs> she has it. No, we're about the same same size actually. But she um she took a picture and there she is, Wendy, another white belt, and then the I think it was like five or six huge black belts in the background. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe that. She said it was a really good class. And then she's gone to uh she went to Texas, trained at a Gracie Bar, and now she's in California, San Jose, um. So yeah, and that's really nice. And when you when you're new to jujitsu, you have so much, um, so much ambition, don't yeah. you? You really want to like just get out there and do everything, learn as much as possible. You just want to drink it all in. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But it's not possible. I've got um, a lady I teach. She I won't say her name because I don't want to <laughs> don't want to embarrass her. But she gets really frustrated with herself because she doesn't know everything. Mm. And you can't. And I said to her, this is a, a never-ending learning curve of a sport. You can't know everything. It is frustrating. And when I started jiu-jitsu, there was a couple of times um, I, I did some Thai boxing beforehand, so I was probably a bit tired. And then I went on to do the jiu-jitsu afterwards. And I sat on the mat and I was thinking, oh, my God, I just want to cry because I... <laughs> don't know what I'm doing this for I'm so rubbish I just I'm rubbish I just don't get it and it was one of those nights and I had a few of those at White Belt Mm. I was older than everybody as well there was a lot of teenagers and younger people and um yeah it was it was very um uh, Carlton Gracie it was very um um yeah it was young you know there was a lot of not kids, I'd say, but like teenagers, and um, it was great to see them because they was all coming up through the ranks and doing a lot mm. of competitions and winning, and it was really inspiring. But on the other hand, it was like, okay, I'm in my thirties, <laughs> and I can't. Really, who can I inspire? I'm not going to inspire these kids, you know. So, yeah, but it was fun. It was really good. But I once I come back from Brazil, and I did that competition, and I said to my coach. Um, is there any way that like we can open up a? Because I was I was living in Hatfield Peveril at the time, which is near Chelmsford. For those who don't know, it's only a little village, and I was travelling to Colchester, and it's like a forty mile round trip thereabouts. And I said to him, "Is there any way like can you start a, start up a class in Chelmsford so I don't have to drive so far?" And um, and he he said, "You do it. You you start the class." And I said, "Well, I can't teach. I'm a white belt." And he went, "No, no, no." He said, "We'll get." James, James Costa, we'd get him to teach and I'll come once a week. So I looked around and I thought, right, okay, we need a little bit of space. Where am I going to go? And I, I went into a few different gyms and there was a Fitness First gym in Chelmsford and I approached them and I said, do you have any space on your timetable? Do you have the space <laughs> as well mm. that we could do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? Like, I remember people just come in and, and we rent a space from you and we pay you monthly. And he said, yeah, this is going to work. So it was a Monday, Wednesday and Friday class. And I rented the space. I bought 
30 mats, just the jigsaw mats. Mm. And um, James started teaching the classes and um, I thought, right, I need to advertise this. There's no jiu-jitsu in Chelmsford. I'm going to have to just really push with this. And I don't think the underground group had started at the time. So um, it wasn't as easy as that to, to yeah. get it out there. So I was going on a lot of... Um, uh, martial arts forums and signing up <laughs> and just saying yeah jiu-jitsu class and uh, got some leaflets done and just dishing them out to everybody and then the first class it was like we had 10 people there on the mat I was like oh my god this is amazing there was even a guy who came and I think he was he was a blue belt and I thought okay this is cool man this is great and um, Alistair his name is Alistair Tweed and he came along and he went I am so glad that you've brought jiu-jitsu to Chelmsford. He said, I previously trained at the MMA clinic in um, in Romford under Michael Russell. And it was really good. Like It was mm. like amazing. And 10 people, Wednesday class, no one turned up. I'm like, oh man, what's going on? Friday class, I was there. I could never do Wednesdays because I teach kickboxing. But James taught the class. But... And then Friday came, I was there, James was there, Taylor was there. Um, Alan, our coach, was there and maybe like a couple of other people and it was half guard Fridays, that's what we always used to do and uh, yeah, we just used to train and whatever and go out for a drink afterwards, it was really good, it was really sociable and it was really great, the only bad thing is you've got to put all the mats out, you've got to take them all back as well yeah. and um, yeah, no, it was, it was really fun, so that was going on for like a couple of months and a friend of mine, Gary, I used to train with him at the kickboxing club um, where I first started and he said to me I'm taking the plunge I'm going to open a dojo <laughs> that, that word makes me laugh so I'm going to open a dojo um, and I went okay and he said I noticed that there's karate clubs there's Thai boxing clubs there's Wing Chun all these different martial arts it'd be really great to get them all together rent the space I know what you're doing at Fitness First why don't you come and do it with us I'll give you um, a pick of the slots whenever you want to, whenever you want to, um, whatever days you want to train, whatever hours you want to train. I went, okay, this is cool. All right, so we want Monday, we want Wednesday. No, you can't have Wednesday. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we'll have Friday, we'll have Saturday. Okay, so um, I set it up and I said to everybody, we're going to move. Gary bought all my mats off me. He had already had mats down. There was all jigsaw mats. And it was our opportunity to make... Well, Carlson Gracie Chelmsford. We had the Carlson Gracie um, mm. Colchester. This was Carlson Gracie Chelmsford. So um, we had this opportunity to make it a proper gym, you know, like build on it. It was like a little seed and it was going to grow and grow. And um, yeah, all right. We some classes, we only had like three or four people for yeah. a little while. And there's me, my flyers out in Chelmsford. There you go, here's the flyers. And Saturday afternoon, we'd um, I'd get all the boys like Taylor and James and um, Tom. I'd say, come on, let's go to Chelmsford. I'd drive us in there, um, get them all to dish out the flyers, and then we'd go to the cinema afterwards. <laughs> and um, I was like, come on, we want the people to train. And there's Taylor, he'd be like, giving, handing them out to an old granny. It's like, no, stop it, you can't do things like that. <laughs> but no, we was there and it was good, it worked. People mm. were looking at the flyers and yeah. um, people came. And as as um, Facebook got a bit bigger, I was able to advertise a little, not advertise, but like keep getting the word out and tag people and stuff mm. and get the word out and... It grew and grew and grew and 
it got really good. And Sam Gibson from Carlson Gracie Surrey, he um, he started teaching the Fridays, and it was amazing. My jiu-jitsu just skyrocketed. I loved his detail. Um, I was going to train on Tuesday lunchtimes in in the London club, and Dickie Martin was taking the classes. Um, amazing. It would I would I'd never ever taught taught the class at Carlson Gracie Chelmsford myself. Um, if I had to cover, I would. It would just be a drill class. Okay, we're going to do um, uh, escape some side control and mount and all this kind of stuff, all the drills. But I would never teach a technique because um, I was just a blue belt and that was it. So uh, yeah. Anyway, we um, it was getting really good. I think we had like a regular thirty people who were there, thirty members if you like, and um, it started working as a business. And the whole point of the club was. James was competing a lot, and I said to James, like he was getting paid for for the classes, but I said, every competition you wanna, w- this club is gonna sponsor you. Every competition that you do, you're gonna, um, I'll pay for it for you. So he was competing more and more and more. He did the Paris um, Open and went on the Eurostar, went to the uh, Europeans. He was doing a lot, and it was really good. It was a nice vibe in Chelmsford. Mm. It was really really good. And then um, I went to Australia and I had this idea and I thought, we need a little gym. I said, oh, this will be really good. So I, uh, I sent my coach a message and I said, we need we need, uh, we need, need to put our heads together. We've got to get a gym ourselves. But the only thing is it's really expensive in Chelmsford. Yeah. The, the rates are ridiculous. And I, I've got a business myself and I've, I'm pretty good at running it because mm. I've never lost any money. Um, it's always earned money. I've always been really good with money, and um, I wanted to make sure that it was perfect, you know. And I had this opportunity of um, some mats come along, and I thought, right, okay, I'm going to buy all these mats. I spent two grand on these mats. There were there were no brand or anything. It was mm. just like really thick mats, good ones that you could um, could do like judo throws and stuff on. I think there's uh, five centimeter thick ones. They're really good. Anyway. So uh, I said, right, okay, let's let's start getting the ball rolling with this. And my coach started making it really difficult for me. Um, he said, oh, I want I want Rob involved. Okay, but no, no, this is my little baby, you know. I yeah. want to I carry on with this. No, 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 I want Rob involved. He's got to be involved. And it started making me feel really uncomfortable because it was like, well, this is my little, this is my baby. I've, I've grown it from a seed and it's growing really nice now. And... Um, yeah, he made, he made it so difficult for me that I just went, I don't want anybody else involved. And yeah. I said, if you want it so badly, you can have it. It's yours. You have it. And he gave, um, I'd won the World Masters um, in 2014, and he gave me my purple belt just after that. And um, that, oh, sorry, that was after the, the transition where um, I handed it over to him. And I didn't want all of that involvement with somebody else and I just thought it was a bit unfair and I didn't really Mm. feel supported by the team at all and I built something up and made it really really good and it was like it's taken my baby away from me and I was so gutted so gutted I built it up and yeah I you know what I cried a lot I cried and um yeah, I didn't feel supported about about the whole situation at all, and um, and 
yeah anyway I carried on training with them and they took over Rob took over and things weren't working and he was doing things wrong and there was a lot of mistakes and it's going to happen you know if you take over a business well it was a business Mm -hmm. and it was a non-profit business for me and I bought all these mats and I thought bloody hell I spent two grand on these mats and I said to Rob do you want to buy them off me and he went no I don't want to buy them off you and they was in storage and I'm thinking what am I going to do with these and a friend of mine was opening a gym (laughs) and I said do you want to buy these mats and he went yeah all right then so we bought them all off me so uh, that's all right. <laughs> Lucky, I got I got my money back for the, for all the mats. It could have been worse. But anyway, um, I carried on training with them, and I did the World Masters, won that, got my purple belt, and um, I I did a few other competitions, and I started feeling a bit sort of pushed away, and um, I finally he asked me to leave the gym. He asked me to leave the team, and I was gutted really good like years ago years before I went and I trained with my friends and my old kickboxing coach said we don't want you part of this this gym anymore and I'm like you're taking my family away from me this is all my friends this is my this has been my life for however many years I've been training up to then uh, three four years or whatever and you've taken it away from me and I was so gutted I cried for days and days and days and um yeah, I had so many conversations like, on Skype with my mum and dad. They're like, what do I do? What do I do? And I was, I would just get so upset about mm. it. And, um, yeah, as I said, I didn't really get much support from, from um, other people in the team at the time. And people don't really want to get involved, you know. It's quite yeah. it's quite a political thing that happened. Um, <clears throat> but it was my decision. I just said, you, you take it. You have yeah. it. So you. that's the reason that they gave for pushing you out? Like, no, no, no. You didn't um, run the business anymore. No, no. Something happened. I won't talk about it. But okay. I, 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 I called them out. So, um, rather than make them look stupid, he, mm. yeah, he, went, he said no. He sent me a text on a message on Facebook, and I, I was like, right, okay, that's how it is. All right, all right. <laughs> so that was that, and I went and trained with my friend Katie, and. Um, she was training with Mark Nixon in, in Ipswich. No, not Ipswich. Felix, though, God, it's even further. So it's taken me an hour to get there, an hour to get back. And I could only do twice a week. But although they would do um, a no-gi class, then a gi class, and then sparring, so it was like three hours worth of training. snackers <laughs> afterwards. And I found it difficult to get there as well because there was so much traffic getting there. And and then the, it was a Tuesday and a Friday. I couldn't do the Saturday class. They'd have an open mat on a Sunday. And you weren't guaranteed who was going to turn up on the Sunday. But um, it, it it wasn't really working for me. And my, my friend Corey, um, we was doing a, a bit of um, training together. She um, she had the keys to BKK in Colchester. It's predominantly an MMA gym. But they had jiu-jitsu there as well. And we was doing a lot of um, jiu-jitsu stuff. And I was finding that Corey was... Um, showing me a lot more techniques. I was a purple belt, she was a blue belt, but she was showing me more techniques, stuff that I hadn't seen before. And um, I'm thinking, this, she's training <laughs> under Lee Catlin, <laughs> um, who's Gracie Baha. And um, we always, it was like, Carlson Gracie, Gracie Baha, don't switch, you know? Like, you, you can't go over that side. That's going to the dark side. That's <laughs> how it was kind of brainwashed to me. And Gracie Baha is, is is like the, the worst thing. Don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. So 
one day um, I met um, Jez Lord. He's one of my really good friends now. He's, mm. he's um, black belt under Braulio as well. And he was like, just come and train with us. Just just come and train. And um, I went down there and <laughs> went in the really hard, like crazy Carlton Gracie smash style. And Lee <laughs> came over to me and he went, yeah, just, just like to calm just down calm a little down bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like we like to do the technical training. Then when it comes to competitions, that's when you you put on the force and everything. So, um, yeah. And I went there and I just settled in so well. And it was weird as well because I was purple belt. People were like, "Where did she come from? <laughs> Where did she get that belt from?" But um, yeah, no. And a weird thing is when I got kicked out of my kickboxing club. Because I was doing Carly and Jim Fan as well at the time, I wanted to go and find out where my friend Chris, he did his own uh, classes. And I went to this gym in Whitton. And um, when I, I went in there, I walked past all these people and I'm thinking, what are they doing? They're doing judo or something. And uh, I walked to the back of the gym and there was this little room and we was doing all our stick fighting and stuff. And I looked around and I'm thinking, what on earth are they doing? They look like they're just sort of like rocking and rolling and cuddling together. <laughs> I didn't get it. And it's it's mad because like, I look back now and if I took the time and watched what they were doing and asked them questions, I would have spoke to Lee, my coach now, mm. and I could have done jiu-jitsu then. But it wasn't meant to be, you know. It, it, um, it wasn't the right time. It was the right time to train with Lee then and I really felt like once I'd gone to Gracie Bar's Avend, um I felt like I started to get healed and I was really appreciated there and the vibe was different and it was mm. it's nice you know you get complimented all the time Lee's very positive and um he'll compliment you all the time and correct you all the time and he pays a lot of detail uh, attention to detail so um yeah, I fit in really well there. And then there was an opportunity to start up the women's class. And um, I was obviously I was still doing competitions as well. And uh, yeah, I started jiu-jitsu class. There was um, Diver. She was my first student. And a few weeks ago, she was my first promotion as well. She got her, mm. her blue belt. So yeah, and it just went from there. And then um, Rob, who took over the Carlton Gracie gym, he came to me about nearly two years ago and he said to me um when things aren't working out Carlson Gracie um I need to move things along without getting into too much detail and I said that's mad because Lee and Jez they're looking for another gym in Chelmsford why don't you become Gracie Barr and he went oh that's what I was thinking Jolie but I need you to help me out and he wasn't I'll be honest he wasn't very nice to me when I was leaving Carlson Gracie but he apologized for it and I don't hold any grudges mm. and um yeah, I was just like, okay, this is going to work for me. Started a women's class, get paid for it. Bonus, I get to train for free. <laughs> okay, this is great. I've got the gym back that I initially started, although it's not in the gym that um, where I started it or, or progressed to, but it's in a better gym now. Um, yeah, and it's amazing. It's like, okay, do good, be good, and it will all come back to you, you know? Yeah. This is all what's meant to be. This is what's what's happening now. It's all meant to be. And I've got the perfect jiu-jitsu life, I think, anyway. <laughs> it's so good because I don't pay for training because I teach my classes. I get paid for training in, in Chelmsford. 
and I love it and I train with my friends and people come along and um, you become they become your mates and mm. we all go out together we have open mats we have um, extra competition training and stuff go for food afterwards and yeah we're mates it's great I love love it. it's a great jiu-jitsu life and it's like okay I had to go through that really sad time in my jiu-jitsu life mm. and then I come out on top but think about how much more you appreciate it as well. Mm. Like you wouldn't like if you'd just been given the position that you're in now. Yeah. Like you'd probably be like, oh, what else can I do? But because you had to go through all of the the nonsense, you're like, look at what I've got. Mm. Yeah, is... I know as I know notice as well. Like being, oh, I don't want to like disrespect Carlton Gracie because he's a great team, and I met some really good friends through through mm. the team. But I find that with Gracie Baha, I I get opportunities that I wouldn't have had before. Like, um, Yaz Wilson, she's like, come and train with us at RGA, you know, just come mm. and train with us. If I was at Carlton Gracie, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, there's still that sort of little You're not conflict. allowed to be yeah, a Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, but I get those opportunities and people don't mind, you know, and um, RGM as well. We we don't wear the Gracie bar. We we don't have to wear Gracie bargies, mm. which I quite like. <laughs> yeah. I don't like conforming. I don't want to be like all the same. You know, I I want to wear my scramble gear. <laughs> yeah, like that's always been like one of the things that kind of puts me off. Like, cause I I you read like things about um the Gracie bar stuff. Like, oh, you have to buy like the Gracie bar gear. You have mm. to buy buy the Gracie bar gear. You ha- you can't not wear it in class and stuff. It's like, oh, it yeah. doesn't sound like what jiu-jitsu is. Yeah. And it's like, expensive. Their keys are really yeah. expensive. Like, I, I don't want to disrespect them or anything. I think it's really great. And I understand it's a, it's a school. And when you go to school, you have to wear a uniform. Yeah. Um, and that's really good. But I've always been an individual. Yeah. And I like the fact that um, I've well, scramble. They're they're so good to me. They give me geese and and rash guards and stuff, and they have done for quite a few years now. And I feel like I, I'm their ambassador. And I, yeah. whenever um I do my women's class, I will always have a scramble gi mm. on in a picture. If I go to a seminar and I have pictures, and I want to show them, like, I wear a gi. This is what I do in in my um competitions. I wear their geese because their geese are good. <laughs> I've yeah. got other geese, but um. Yeah, I, I I feel like I'm their ambassador, and um, I'm not like Samantha Cook, you know. Um, she's just an amazing athlete, and I I know that I'm I'm never gonna be like that. I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be like that. I I've got other things that I want to do with my life, and um, upholster chairs and do embroidery and that kind of thing. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, and do up property, but um. I love that, but the fact that they're they're really good to me, and I want to be good to them as well. Yeah. And I recommend their stuff all the time, and I'm not just saying it because they give me stuff. But you, I, I do recommend it. It's amazing. They're all their 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 geese, and mm. yeah, I get all the ladies wearing them as well. <laughs> like that's yeah. always been one of the things that I've wondered about, like with regards to sponsorship, because mm. I, I'm, when you compete, do you wear like the Gracie Baja tags or um, do you compete in the scramble gear? I don't have anything that says Gracie Bar apart from two hoodies. That's it. Yeah. I know I'm a I'm a terrible teammate, aren't I? <laughs> I'm awful. I'm really bad. I don't 
even have a patch. If it, I think if I had a patch, I'd put it on my um, competition gate. Mm. But um, that there's a lady who uh, um, I see quite often at competitions, and she's Gracie Baha in Atlanta. And she said to me, you need a Gracie Baha gi, it'll bring you more luck. And I think, no, your no, luck's in your head. That's <laughs> it, your luck's in your head. But I don't it'll know. It'll bring you an empty like, wallet. Yeah, I like my, my geese that I've got and mm. I'm individual and I like to put my patches a certain way yeah. and yeah, I don't feel like I could do that with, with that, but it makes them sound like bad, but it's not, like some people like that, you know. Yeah, of course, like don't get me wrong, I, as I said before, I've, I've always been a bit sceptical of uh, Gracie Baha, um, but if I'm completely honest... I like the structure of yeah. the um, yeah. the teaching and mm-hmm. everything. I don't agree with like um, you tick this many boxes and you get your blue belt. I do think like you need that should be based on your experience and how well you um, perform under pressure and things like that. But I very much enjoy the fact that the curriculum is so rounded that mm. you you don't really miss anything. Yeah. Whereas like there are some clubs where you you go in and it's like, okay, this week I want to do this because I feel like it. Yeah. Or I want to do well, this. Well, with Grace Bar, they do the um, 16-week program. Jez teaches <clears> it, actually. <throat> um, so I I teach my class in Southend on a Tuesday, and then straight after I'll go to Jez's class. And he does it all the time because it's a continuous thing, but then he'll top it up with other techniques yeah. afterwards as well. But it's fundamentals. It's good. I do question some of it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, hmm. yeah. I think me personally, uh, um, I think you need to teach stuff that is gonna work. Not because, yeah. like, if you're you're opening somebody's guard, you wouldn't put your hand on their inside of their thigh. You put your shin there because your leg is is heavier than what your hand is. They can pull that away, and then mm. if you're going for um, uh, going onto the leg, and you want to pass that way, um. It, they can just pull you into a triangle, and I say this every time when we do this. And Nicola, she's like, "You don't like this technique, do you?" And I'm like, "No, I don't, because you can get caught in a triangle." So um, I would do it differently, but Jez is only teaching it how how yeah. it's fundamentals, you know. Like it, it's for people who don't know anything. <laughs> so it, it's but how the good are his fundamentals now? <laughs> yeah, his fundamentals are amazing. <laughs> they really are. But um, but he'll do other stuff like he he'll tell you the what ifs if this happens if that happens, and mm. he's a really good coach. He he breaks everything. There were Lee is as well. I'm so lucky that we've got those two uh, both our gyms now because we we yeah. in Chelmsford as well. So yeah, we're lucky. And as we've got quite a lot of brown belts as well, and there's a few black belts. So when they're not around, then we've got other high level people teaching as well. Yeah, yeah, That's we're lucky. Awesome. I'm a, I am. I've got a perfect jiu-jitsu life. I just got to win more more medals now. Get get a stressful year out of the way, and then well, focus more. Like I had a bit of an obsession last year um, with regards to medals. Like at the end of 2017, I fought at Cleos and um, I got beaten by uh, Maya Holmes. I watched that fight. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was it? so good. Um, but like, I remember, like after that fight, I, I got a bit stalkery. I like, found her on Facebook, and like we became friends and stuff. Yeah. And like, she's one of my favorite people. Mm. I love her so much. And um, like she posted a photo of all of the medals she'd won that year, and I was like, 
shit, son. She's she's worked hard. Mm. And I was like, I bet I could get more. And then, like, that was what my goal was for mm. 2017. I just, like, killed myself going to competitions every other week. And it's like... Um, but you can do that at Blue Belt because there's always somebody to fight. Oh, the White Belt. <laughs> oh, you're White Belt. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's yeah. that's even better because there's even more people. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. of course. Um, but, like, there, were, it, there came a point when I was doing it and I started to question why I was doing it. I was like, what was the point of going to all of these competitions where, like, it got to the point where I wasn't learning like enough in the class mm. and actually applying it because I, I had like my standard competition game where I was just like fuck it go for um uh what's it called uh just an outside trip take down side control uh Americana and mm-hmm. if that doesn't work we'll go from there mm. and like um I hit that a good deal the Americana like kind of became my thing that I really enjoyed doing I was able to catch it in a few places but like it got to the point where I was like, I'm com- I'm competing so much that I'm just focusing on the stuff that I already know, and yeah. I didn't think that I was yeah. learning anything new. So like, um, I was gonna compete again this year. I was just like, nah. Um, so I started this podcast, and like that gives me an excuse to go and train in yeah, other other places. Yeah. And like, I went to so many uh, open mats like this year, by the beginning of the year. Um, because like with the surgery and everything that was uh, booked, I was like, fuck, I'm just going to have to get in as much training as I can because mm. I'm not going to be able to train for a while. And um, like in those classes, I didn't have anything to prove to anyone. I didn't have to do any like specific training. I was able to actually take in what the people were saying. And like, I just got to enjoy jujitsu again. Mm. Like, there was no stress on it. And like going to an open mat and just having like free sparring and like, not caring how many times you get tapped because you're trying new things and just enjoying everything and then I went to um I went and spoke to Helen Curry and she gave me like some of the best advice I've ever received about jiu-jitsu and just oh it's so good like um but the thing is as well when when your training gets a little bit of a routine like Mm. we learn new stuff every week um and there was a point where I think it was like, not, I wouldn't say new stuff every week, but we don't do the same thing for, for months and months and months and months. All mm. right, you have the, the fundamentals program that Jez will do, but he teaches other things as well. But I'm talking about those things, and Lee, he'll um, teach technique, and then throughout the week, he'll advance on it and advance and advance, and then by, mm. by the time Thursday comes, you're doing some like really cool stuff, um, but which is sort of like the basis of Monday's class. And... We, um, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> this is my biggest issue. With oh yeah, that was it. Off. So yeah, no. Um, so we've uh, we've training. Like sometimes it's like just going to the class on Monday, Tuesday. I don't train Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Teach class on Saturday, and it's the same thing all the time. And sometimes you need to put a little bit of um, a little bit of spice in yeah, it so you go to it. yeah a little bit of pepper on it so on a sunday go to a, a seminar i see it when people put up on some of the groups like um training is getting a little bit stagnant i feel like i'm not progressing you need to go to a seminar you need yeah. to change things up a little bit because that's all it is it's mm. like if you were you were doing the same journey to and from work you're on the train it's stop stop 
stop. Mm. It's boring, you know. You need to get on a roller coaster (laughs) (laughs) and do that instead and shake things up a little bit. And that's what sparring is and that's what going to open mats are. I love open mats. They're so good because you you get used to the same body sparring all the time. Yeah. You need something a little bit different. Especially, like, when I was in... When I was training in Liverpool, I I can't remember who I was talking to, but it's like... um, someone told me what you have to understand is whilst you might not think you're progressing you're progressing at the same rate as everybody else in the class Mm -hmm. so um you might feel stagnant but as soon as someone new comes along you've got so much more experience on top of theirs that you'll fucking crush them and like you that's why like i believe you need to go to like the seminars and Mm -hmm. the open mats and everything because you get to experience the difference in levels and like I love experiencing like how different people teach techniques and different mm. training mm. styles and different fighting styles and stuff. Like, because um, like you find that people have like similar similar styles if they've like been taught through Roger Gracie, if they've been taught through mm. Gracie Baha and things yeah. like. So going to other gyms and just seeing how everything changes. Well, I, is so I was saying to you, Carlson Gracie is like heavy, it's hard, you know. Yeah. Like we we do some serious. Like we icon, used to do some spe- like serious. They're bars. quite. Yeah. Balls to the wall. I used to go to um, um, Carlson Gracie London on Saturday and Simon Nays taught the class. Oh my God, I got so scared. <laughs> 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 Everybody was lined up and uh, I was like, right, okay this person's going to put a pair of boxing gloves on and they're going to come striking at you and you've got to take them down. And I thought, oh my God, I'm so proud of takedowns. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't started doing takedowns until I was a brown belt because I, I, it was my coach who said, yeah, when you get to black belt, you've got to have some really good flat throws. So that was it. Okay, change your game. Don't pull guard anymore. you got to throw. <laughs> so when, it, when I went there, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> it was feeding through this person is coming with all these strikes and you got to do a takedown so I just went for it yeah it's fine alright okay whatever <laughs> they crushed me <laughs> and then I went to the back of the queue again but the, their training there is, is um, yeah it's quite brutal but if you look at the history of Carlson Gracie Carlson Gracie Jr he um, he was a Valley Tudo fighter yeah yeah he <laughs> If you look at him now, he's like the sweetest little round man you'll ever come across. <laughs> he's so nice. And he's so friendly as well. And you wouldn't think like he was a bare knock and fighter seeing Valley Tudo. But um but yeah, so they've they've taken that element of the the fights, I suppose, and kept it in the training and it's quite heavy and hard mm. and I, I did like it, it was really good. I felt like I'd I'd got a lot out of it, but you're also there's also a negative side to it where if you go with somebody who's like really hard and you're not mm. going as hard as them and especially when you tense your body up it can pick up injuries as well. Yeah. So but And also I never, you're not a very aggressive person. No, I'm not I'm not <laughs> a very aggressive person, no. So I, I did struggle with it a little bit but I no, thankfully like, I didn't get any injuries. I got more injuries out mm. of Carlton Gracie, if I'm honest. Um yeah, stupid things. Yeah. You pick up like, like I, I went to an open mat and Nina um I don't know what she calls his surname Nilafar Navid whatever she's um Roger Gracie's brown belt and uh, we was doing an ogee rounds we literally tap hands punch fist I stepped back and I tore the ligaments in my foot. <laughs> 
No, like how? Do you know what the worst thing is? I said to Haley that when we was doing some specific training, that we're all feeding through to to go and train with the partners on the ground, and uh, I was talking to Haley and I said, yeah, I like to sign up to competitions early so that people know I'm there, and then hopefully I'll get a match. And she went, yeah, but you've got people worry about injuries and stuff. And I said, I don't get injuries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was my left foot and I had to drive all the way home from Notting Hill or wherever it is, um, oh from no. West London all the way back to Essex. I stopped off at um, Broomfield Hospital, had an x-ray and they said, no, it's not broken, it's just your ligaments. So um, It's just all those things that are going to take forever to Yeah, don't, Yeah, it. that's it. And he said, oh, you would have been better off breaking it he said it would heal quicker and I went how, how long is it going to take and he said oh probably about three or four months maybe after six months you might not feel anything anymore and I'm thinking you're joking you are joking I can't be out of training for this long this is ridiculous so um they didn't even give me any crutches or anything I hopped what? out of the hospital and got back in my car and I'm like putting my foot down on the clutch <laughs> and then um yeah I think it was, he said three days, don't walk on it. And um, the fifth day, I went training. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it was, it was hard work, not training. But it is, I always pick up stupid injuries. Like I'll get a niggle mm. in my shoulder, broke my finger from passing the guard. And yeah, silly little things you, you get. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to jinx myself, but hopefully um i never get anything really like, really bad serious. like where you have to have surgery and all that kind of stuff because oh, no. it's not just it's not just an inconvenience where you can't train um i wouldn't be able to drive and i teach the kids i teach two kids yeah. classes um in kickboxing i work i take my dog for a walk and all these things they would be, yeah it is it's my life and i can't it, I need to look after myself and it's mm. done me a favor really because the way that we train now is not hard so it's not heavy on the knees it's not heavy on the body but when you go when you spar yeah put in the effort yeah yeah, yeah. definitely but like um no one's trying to kill each other no like <sighs> everybody wants longevity in their training mm. and that's what lee always puts into our head you always get the the new white belt and comes in and is like really really super aggressive and look my, how good i am yeah well my ex just recently not yeah. recently but like he um he started training he's really big and he's super strong and he came in and he was choking out blue belts didn't know what he was doing but he was he was just so aggressive and so strong and um and he thought he was really good but really he didn't know any technique he was just using his strength but it's no good because you're not actually learning but that's all right mm. he had a big ego yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like, no, I lo- I love where I train now. It's cool, really good. Yeah, like I, like everyone says, oh, like I've got the best instructors and all of this, and like I'm very much in the same position as you, where I'm like, I'm so fortunate mm. to have the mm. people around me that I do because, mm. like, um, when I was in Liverpool, the um the training was amazing and like who was it uh i had some really good um like one-to-one sessions with one of the brown belts there and he was just superb and like when i 
moved to Milton Keynes, I was so gutted that um, I had to leave the MMA academy because I was like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to match, like, the level of training that I was getting there. And then, like, I met Hayley and then went to her class. I was like, oh, shit. Like, Mm. this is awesome. Mm. Because, like, you're getting the same, like, level of training, but with, um, like, we there weren't many high high level women there like yeah. the women's class had like a a blue belt running at the time she's recently got her purple belt um and um like but having Haley in the class and like I got to roll with her the first time I was like oh shit this is awesome mm. and then like since then uh like getting to roll with um like Kev getting to roll with Dan um Caroline Kinane, uh, she's like a second Dan uh, in judo. Um, okay. She's been progressing through there as well. And like, she's just so fun to roll with. Like, mm-hmm. she's about the same size as me. So uh, when I fought her at Cleos and she fucked me up, like something terrible, but I had fun every single moment. And then, um, but like the same as like uh, Nat, she's amazing. Uh, I've got to train with her a few times. Running with Mauricio, like so many amazing people that yeah. I get. I have yeah, you me are. To learn You're so from. fortunate. I think we're actually fortunate in this country as well, being such a small country. Mm. Like if you look at um, this year at the Worlds, there was two British black belts, uh, women on mm. the podium. Um, even oh, Fionn went, didn't she? She won. Yeah. Um, the all the Abu Dhabi um, jiu-jitsu competitions. There's there's um, British women out there. They're there. You know, and we have we have got a very strong British team, British oh, women's yeah. team, but also like the guys are doing well. You know, the guys mm. who train here, um, uh, Nina's husband Charles, he beat um Andre Galvao, didn't he? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and amazing. he was such an awesome fight as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it's really good. So people who are training in this country, they're doing so well, mm. and. This is what I love, is that we're so small, but yet we make a lot of noise. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love the fact that, uh, I mean, Sam was, when I first started training, actually, I, I, um, I won the British one year at Blue Belt. That was the year that Cat Hill, she was still a Blue Belt, but she didn't compete. So I think that's the only reason that she let me have it that year. Um, but Sam was a Blue Belt, and I think that was very, the very end of her, her Blue Belt. But um, yeah, I think she was she was a blue belt for quite a while and um but yeah I've, I've watched her the whole time and I love her jiu-jitsu and I saw her when she was at the Europeans and she was telling us about this one time and um she kept competing against this other woman and um she kept losing and losing and losing and then she'd win and then she'd lose and lose and lose and then she'd win and then eventually it got to the point where it was it was even and then she won, as Sam won, and I saw her when she won. She jumped up and down, and her hands were going up in the air, and it was so good. And I, I, I love watching, watching her progress, and I love her mm. womanar seminars. They're so good, and she's such a good teacher. Um, yeah, and I, and even Leonie as well. Like she's so inspiring. She's got a proper hardcore job. Oh yeah. And she's she's up there. She's competing with the best. Yeah, she's cool. Like, really, really cool. I have to admit, like of all of the people who I um like really admire in the sport, like 
Leonie's the only person I haven't actually met yet. Mm. Oh, really? I know, right? Oh, it's so weird. Like, um, I saw her at the, I think it was the Fall Open, but mm. I didn't speak to her. Oh, okay. Um, but, like, I remember look, like seeing her, and I was like, she's a lot smaller than I thought she'd be. Oh, yeah, yeah, she's like, very lightweight. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, she was supposed to come on the podcast um, a little while ago, but um, something happened, and uh, it didn't, like, things just didn't line up. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still trying to uh, sort it out, but... Um, yeah, I'm really gutted that uh, I haven't like had to yeah. properly meet people. Leonie is um, she's everybody's friend. She's mm. like going back to the astrology thing. She's a Cancerian. Cancerians, little one, everybody's friends. You know? <laughs> the, yeah, she is. She's everybody's mate. We're talking about Blossom, by the way. She's like yeah. sleeping in the corner here. Um, Stop licking herself now. Yeah, but everybody knows Leonie. Everybody, everybody, she's out there and um, she's so supportive as well. And she's the one you want in a, in your corner when um, oh, when yeah. you're competing because she's got such a loud voice. <laughs> Two points up, you're winning. Come on now. <laughs> That's it. You're doing it. Got two minutes to go. And she's great. She's so loud and clear and she doesn't actually give you any instruction. She just tells you how it is. <laughs> she gives you a lot of support. And um, yeah, this uh, this year when we um, all met up in the, uh, the World Masters, um, this was my favourite year by far. I didn't do well in the competition, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm still new to brown belt. But um I made a mistake anyway um, with my mind. I have a lot of mind coaching, but I'd lost focus. So, um, yeah, it drifted. And really looking at the lady who I was competing, watching her, and I'm thinking, was that her that I competed with two years ago? Whereas I should really have been looking at her thinking, that was her who I competed with two years ago, and I lost by decision, so I need to win. But I didn't. I didn't talk to myself. But anyway, enough of that. But, um, yeah, this... This year at the World Masters was really good because there were so many British women out there and, um, or from from England anyway, and there was a yeah. lot of people and it was really good. And um, Yaz was on my flight and then she found out that she was in the same hotel as me. We was meeting up with lots of people as well and the competition um, was really great. Lots of, it, everybody was there for one another and it was really nice. And we'd all go out for meals and stuff afterwards and then like. Saturday night party night and stuff and it it felt good because it felt like um everybody was supporting one another mm. and it was it was good it was a good team morale and um yeah it felt really good even though I didn't get the result that I wanted ideally but it didn't matter it didn't matter yeah. it was really good but yes one it's amazing yes yeah, she did I had a dream I had a dream and um I thought it was me so um the morning that I woke up from uh, on the day of my competition um, I woke up and I thought oh my god I've dreamt that I've won the World Masters and that my hand was raised and I started crying and of course that didn't happen the next day Yaz was competing she won her hand raised and she started crying and I went Yaz it was you in my dream it wasn't me <laughs> I dreamt that you won I knew that she would win anyway she's so good and she mm. loves competing she's got such a passion for competing 
And she's like, yeah, I just can't wait to get on the mats. And she's still ex- I, oh, really, really excited. I don't know whether it was nervous energy or what, but mm. she's just really, really excited. And it's nice to see, nice to see that. Whereas some people, they get on the mats and they're like, they're so serious. They've got music on and everybody's so different. <laughs> but she's so relaxed and she just goes for it. Mm. It's, it's good to watch. It would have been better if she fought first and then <laughs> I fought afterwards and I could have been like, yeah, yeah, I want to be oh, just like, yes. Yeah, that's the inspiration yeah, I needed. Yeah, that is, that is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good. It was a great, great competition this year and I look forward to next year. It'll mm. be my sixth one next year, sixth World Masters. But yeah, it's fun. I'm lucky though because I am, um, I, um, where I teach kickboxing, it's my own club. So, um. I use all of that money <laughs> to fund my jiu-jitsu. So people say, like, why don't Scramble give you money? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a sponsored pro athlete, athlete yeah. you know? I'm not a sponsored athlete like that. They've got people like Sam, Amelia, Santeri, all these um that they, they can put money into, and they're the adult athletes, and I think that's more worth their while. But, um, yeah, no, I, I fund myself. Mm. My, my kickboxing club funds my jiu-jitsu I treat it like a business and yeah. that's how I can travel because I, I that was something I, that I wanted to actually speak to you about like you compete a lot a lot mm. like so is that something that you've done since like white blue belt or is it just yeah. something that's no I've, I've always done it I've always competed at white belt and it's purely because I've had the money I've had the funds to do it mm. through jiu-jitsu um, through kickboxing um so yeah my my kickboxing club is a business and I treat jiu-jitsu as a business so obviously I earn money from my class and stuff and it all goes in the business and you have um you have expenses and my expenses are going to Las Vegas (laughs) (laughs) I pay for my flight and accommodation obviously no spending money or anything like that because it's not um tax deductible but um, yeah, it's it's a business, and that's that's how I can can yeah. fund these trips. And when you're teaching, what did we have today? Thirty kids. Oh, she's having a dream. Possibly sparking, you know, <laughs> sleep. Um, yeah. So when you, I had um, two classes today, so about thirty kids in total. So. It can generate quite good revenue, and like obviously in kickboxing you have gradings and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's a business, and it it funds mm. jujitsu. So that's that's the only way that um, I mean, I, I've got a job, I've got a good job, I run my own company. Mm. Um, but that my wages is my living money. Um, or if I want to go on a separate holiday or something like that, you know, all those things that. It comes out of my actual wages, and then I don't do it so much anymore, just because there's been a lot going on. But I've got DJ inside as well, so yeah. um, it's kind of slowed down over the last couple of years. But it, it's just through me being um, busy, busy, but also um, the technology has changed as well. So when I started DJing in '94, '95, um, we I was DJing on these here, these Technic 1210s. So you had to learn how to beat match with analog, yeah. and it's not digital. And there's lots of uh, things 
surrounding DJing now. It's like, oh yeah, give a, a DJ who's been DJing for a couple of years a set of 12 tens and some vinyl and say, there you go, have a go at those and tell me you're a DJ. But, <laughs> but no, um, and I, I feel like I was lucky. Like I got an opportunity to um, to buy some these techniques. These are my original ones that I bought of someone I knew. And um, I, I borrowed, oh, how old was I? 17, 17 years old. And I said to my mum and dad, can you lend me 500 pounds? <laughs> and they I said, yeah, yeah, I want to I wanna get some decks. And I'd already been buying music since I was a little kid. I was buying seven inches and then I started buying 12 inches. When I was 16, I had a job, 15, 16, and I was spending all my money on, on records. And um, so my, um, I said to my mum and dad, like, this, this opportunity, the Technique 12 tens, and they didn't have a clue what it was I don't all have about. A clue. No, I'm I know. They're, 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 the best, they're the best, basically. So, um, if you was a DJ back in there, every club would have 12 tens and you'd have a really good, like, Pioneer Mix or whatever. So, um, yeah, and I said to them, can you, can you lend me this money? And reluctantly, they did. So, I was doing some work for them at the time. They had a career company, and I said, Look, I'm going to work for you every week. I earn £150, <laughs> and I'm going to I'm gonna work for no money. You just take the money back. And I paid it off in a few weeks, and um, I just taught myself to mix. And like, over and over again, I'm like going, playing the same tunes, same tunes. And my mum loved it. Like, I'd come in from college, and my mum would say, Go and put some music on. And she just liked music around the house, and they they were big music lovers anyway. They um they had an amazing Motown collection, and I was always the the party DJ. They they're quite sociable people, mum dad, and they um we had a lot of Christmas parties, birthday parties, New Year's Eve parties, and it's always like go on Jolie, put on another record. <laughs> so I I was the DJ, so it was inevitable that that would happen. And yeah, I taught myself to to DJ. I was all right, ish. And I think, I don't know, I'd record my sets on tape and I'd just give them out to everybody and um, we'd give them out to promoters and stuff and um, I started getting little bits of work and earning a bit of money from it, but it was all going back in. And again, I started earning a bit more money and then one time I got this job at Epping Forest Country Club and it was only doing the warm-up and um, I didn't think I was getting paid for it. I thought, I'm oh, no, a big club, they're not going to want to pay me. I've only been DJing about six months. <laughs> and uh, I went up to the desk and they went, oh, Jolie, Jolie, come over here. Can you go over into the office because we um, we uh, need to get you paid. And I, I looked at my mate and I was like, I didn't even think I was getting any money. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I went in the office and she said, uh, oh, how much have we got to give you? And I went, oh, I can't remember. I don't know. I'm not sure how much it was and I was only 18 at the time and I just turned 18 and um she went oh yeah 150 pounds there you go two hours work 150 pounds and I thought oh my god I went home the next day I showed this word of 20 pound notes I was like look I've got 150 pounds for DJing that's it and then my mum took it seriously (laughs) 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 and then I, I just I just built on it and started doing tapes and being the business entrepreneur person I am. I worked in a restaurant while I was at college and uh, it was quite a well-known, it's still a well-known restaurant anyway, it's not chain or anything, but um, you get lots of famous people go there. But uh, yeah, at the end of the night, uh, I used to be the till girl, I'd take all the money and I'd say, right, I've got some mixtapes. 
they're £3 each. So everybody's tips would all be lying down. They're like, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a tape, I'll have a tape. So I'd be going home with like 30 quid that night just from selling 10 tapes. So yeah, it was good. It was a nice little business. And then next week I'd do another mixtape. And people send me messages and they're like, Jolie, I just found one of your tapes <laughs> from 20 years ago. So um, yeah, and it just built and built and built. And um, I got a website, got a little agent and stuff and started going around the world, DJing loads of different places. Um, went to America, DJed at Princeton University. Um, As you went do. To win- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> it was funny, actually. It was, that was a good trip. That was just after September 11th, actually. Um, so I took myself to, to New York um, on a train from Jer- New Jersey, went up to the top of the Empire State Building. And normally there's like loads and loads of people, like queues of people wanting to get in there. I just walked straight in, went straight up, no one there. Yeah, it was mad. It was a bit sombre, the, um, yeah. the atmosphere, as you could imagine. But everyone said, did you go to Ground Zero? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't go there. No, I um, stayed away from there. But um, I went back um, a few years ago, actually. My cousin lives in, well, he lived in Manhattan. He lives in Jersey now. But um, I stayed with him, did the New York Spring Open. That was good. Trained up with Marcelo Garcia's. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I did go to Ground Zero and I cried. I had to get out of there. So I know I can't go in the museum. I can't do things like that. It's horrible. I've just got to leave. But no, going back to DJ now, I went everywhere. I went all over Europe. I had a, a little residency, a, a little residency. It was a pretty good residency at Ministry of Sound. And um, I went to India like five times to DJ. It was really what? good. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. And as I was saying earlier, actually, when I was talking you'd get a chaperone and they'd take you around everywhere. And one time, I think it was 2006, um, this opportunity came in uh, to DJ in Dubai and then go on to Lebanon, Beirut. So um, I told my mum and dad, I'm like, oh my God, I can go to Dubai. I've never been to Dubai before. This is amazing and this would be really good. My mum went, yeah, I don't really fancy you going to Beirut. I went, really? Mm. And I'm, I'm like, I can't remember how old I was then. 30 or something I was like yeah but it's Beirut she's like yeah but Jolie in the 80s they had a war and it was this it was that and it's a little bit unsettled there are you sure you're gonna do this and I went no no it's all right I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go anyway there was a little bit of um a struggle getting the deposit from the promoter to send it over and I said I haven't got the money the flight was all booked and everything I said the money hasn't come through and the morning of the flight, um, I said to my friends, I'm going to check my bank. If if it's, the money's not in there, I'm not going to go to Beirut. And they, I checked my bank and the money wasn't in there. And I went, I can't let them down. They've paid for my flight. <laughs> <laughs> They've paid for my flight. I need to go. So I went to Dubai, did the gig. It was all cool and everything. And uh the, it was a chain, crystal, something like that, I don't know. Um, I didn't like Dubai. I didn't mm. rate it at all. I was like, where's all the Arabs? There was only in the shopping centre. But um, no, there was. I didn't like it at all. It was too manufactured. It was, yeah. Yeah. There's, it's soulless. I didn't like it at all. It's not where I'd... I'd never been back there since, or Abu Dhabi. Um, so uh, I went to... I got on a plane and I went to Beirut. And that I remember it was a Wednesday. I landed there, and 
that night we went to this place called the Sky Bar and it has a chaperone. So I can't remember what his name is. But anyway, he said to me, uh, did you hear about, um, did you hear on the news? And I went, no, what's happened? And he went, oh, no, it's all right. It's just a bit of trouble at the border. It happens all the time. And I went, all oh, right, okay. So um, he was telling me about his dad's car that we was in. He said, yeah, it's, uh, it's bulletproof. This car's bulletproof. And I went, well, do you, do you, have, do you have problems then? And I, I, I knew about the, the troubles years ago with Terry Waite. He was held hostage there. But um, I thought that was all over and done with, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, anyway, that night we had an amazing time. Lebanese people are incredible. They live for today. And it's, it's very much a Christian country. You think mm. that um, there would be Muslims there, but it's, there's very few. It's a Christian com- country and... Yes, it's, it was amazing. We had so much fun. I had a few drinks, got back to the hotel, texted my mum and dad, and I said, um, if you've heard there's trouble at the border, don't worry, it happens all the time, apparently. Next day, I got a text from my mum and dad, and they went, we're worried. We're really worried. We've seen the news. And oh, I, um, and I'm like, I, I, I didn't have any news. All you got was CNN. American news, well, mm. you ain't going to see nothing on CNN. Yeah. So I, I couldn't get anything, you know. There was no BBC news at my hotel. So I, I was there out by the pool. I was supposed to be DJing that night and um, it got cancelled. Um, the, uh, what was it? The Israelis, it was the Israelis, that's it. They started on the Lebanese and they bombed the airport. And I said to them, right, right, okay. I went to the concierge. I went, so I'm supposed to be flying out tomorrow. And they went, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> you're, you're, uh, they bombed the airport. They bombed the runway. No one's going. So that night I was supposed to be DJing and they cancelled it and I got invited to someone's wedding reception. <laughs> <laughs> so their wedding reception got cancelled. That was it. And they all went, it changed plans, like everything. It was like, okay, this, a, war, a war had started. A war mm. started in Beirut, and um, they said, well, we just got to cancel everything. So I, we went to the top of this building, and I could see all these bombs going off in the background. And, yes, and it was quite surreal, really. It gives me shivers now, thinking about it. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, we, um, um, the next day, loads of people in my hotel disappeared. <laughs> Not, not like in a bad way or anything. They just thought, right, okay, we're getting in our cars, we're gonna go. And it, Beirut was, it was um, where I was staying as well. It was a holiday resort. There was a lot of people there, and um, every day the hotel started getting less and less people. I was going down to breakfast, and the Friday passed. I was meant to be going home, and this guy came up to me and he went, "Are you on your own?" And I said, "Yeah." He's gone. Um, he said, "Oh." are you busy you're like do you want to speak to the bbc and i went yeah that's all right i'll speak to the bbc i don't mind i've got nothing else to do so um yeah this guy called ian panel i didn't realize who he was afterwards but <laughs> when i got home i, I thought yeah he's, he's a pretty good war reporter <laughs> so um yeah he interviewed me and i didn't i was like just me on my own and just telling him what's what and um and then he said oh we're gonna Oh, this was off camera. He said, um, "We've got a car coming from uh, Damascus down there, um, from Syria. Um, they're going to come in that way because obviously nothing, no one was flying in, no yeah. reports were flying in. 
And he said, you could go in that car back to Damascus. That's an opportunity if you want, if you want to get out of Lebanon, if you want to get out of Beirut. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. And I didn't know what to do. Everybody was like, I was getting random people phoning my hotel from Daily Mail newspaper. Mm. And um, they, uh, yeah, they were asking for the superstar DJ. Yeah, yeah, that's it. um, We we heard you're British and you're on your own. And um, would you talk to us? Would you give us a little interview? Yes, all right, I don't mind. Do that, I've got, fine. I've got, got nothing better to do. That's it. I've got nothing better to do. Yeah, I don't mind. So um, yeah, I was giving all these interviews, and um, I said to Ian Panel, um, he said, "Do you do you want to go in this car on the Sunday?" And I went, "No, I don't think I'm meant to go somewhere else. I'm gonna put my faith in the British government to get us out." Yeah. So um, nothing was happening. And then the next day, I went up to the, the BBC Bureau. They had this um, like these offices, and they'd taken over one floor, and that was it. They they were there and doing all the reports and everything. And I see this lady, and I remember her report as well. I see her on the news. I don't really watch the news so much anymore, but I saw her on the news afterwards, and I was like, you were the cow. You were the one who told me <laughs> live, not told me personally, but told everybody live on air, no one's getting out of... Beirut today there's nothing coming and I cried I sat on the steps and I cried and I had to talk to I didn't have to I talked to um some talk BBC talk uh, radio station and I was so angry I was so angry at the Israelis what they were doing and it was it was horrible like they was just they're just bullies sorry if anybody's listening to this they're from <laughs> Israel I'm really sorry but that's just how it seemed and I saw it from a different perspective. Like I just went there to do a job, you know, and I didn't get to do my job. Um, and I ended up getting stuck there, and I, it completely changed everything. What was going on with me and my life, and there was, I could, I could potentially die there, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, I went back to my hotel and um, I had a, a, a website that I could update at the time. And uh, I put a little post up there on the news section, and I said, yeah, I'm here in Beirut, blah, blah, blah. I was meant to do the gig and whatnot. And as I'm on the computer in the... Because I, I didn't have an iPhone or anything back then. I'm on the computer in the computer room in the hotel. Cause that's <laughs> what we did then. Um, and a bomb went off next door, and I swear, I thought it hit the hotel. Everybody was screaming. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I went out, and I was everybody was just like running around and screaming it was it, but there was nothing you know there was no um shattered glass or anything like that and uh, I started talking to this man from Jordan and he was telling me he said yeah people have been driving up the Damascus road to Syria and they've been dying they've been getting in their cars driving he said two guys I know they went on that road and a bomb hit and they died and I thought Oh my God! I was gonna go in that car to Damascus, uh, to Syria, and on the Damascus Road. And I thought, Oh my God! I'm so glad I made that choice to stay here. Mm. And then, uh, literally, like two days later or something like that, um, it was a Wednesday or Thursday. So I'd been there a week, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So um, they had a ceasefire. So I lay down the pool and I thought oh, I'll get a little bit of sun down one of you started talking to these Lebanese guys and we were all chatting and stuff and um, 
uh, oh yeah, no, I skipped a bit actually. When I was in the BBC Bureau, I was talking to this guy and he said he'd lost his leg in uh, Baghdad and he said, oh, I can't go out now reporting I've got to stay in the office. I was like, okay. And he went, what's your, what's your local newspaper? I said, oh, the Essex Chronicle. And he went, let's get you on the front page of the Essex Chronicle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he put me in contact with Patrick, who was the, the, uh, the editor. And, yeah, I was on the front page of the Essex Chronicle. <laughs> It was funny, but Patrick actually, um, he was the one who sped things up for me. He was phoning me, because um, I'd already given him an interview and stuff. He phoned me and he went, Jolie, ask someone if they know where Dowry Boulevard is. There's a place called the Forum. There's going to be a, a warship. HMS Gloucester is pulling up there, or if it hasn't already. And that's the boat that you're going to, that's the ship that you're going to get on. He said, you've got to go there, though. And I said, see, it's two Lebanese guys sitting by the pool. I went, do you know where the forum is, Dowry Boulevard? And he went, yeah, yeah, we know. And I went, can you take me there? And he went, yeah, yeah, fine. So my bag was already packed. Got in his car, shoved the, he had like a little, um, uh, Oh, it was a little Mazda car, and there was nothing on the roads, and he was like scooching around the corner, and scooching around there, and then we got to this Dowry Boulevard, and there was a forum, and I was like, oh, okay, is this here? <laughs> I was, I think I was expecting to see this massive great big ship, and like, mm. it was all going to get loaded onto the ship, and I didn't see anything. I just see this massive great big warehouse, <laughs> and there was this tent, and oh, come rushing in, and uh, this lady went, calm down, calm down, calm down, and I went. I'm British. I'm gonna get on here. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get on here today, aren't I? And she went, Yeah, yeah. It's all right. You're one of the first. It's fine. She said, Just go through that way. She she checked my um, passport number, and I went through. And then finally we got loading onto the ship. We had to go round and round and round, and then we could kind of see the ship. And uh, yeah, it was HMS Cluster. It took three hours to load everybody on there. It was a, a working ship. So it was fully loaded, had all the sailors on there, they had the guns and everything, <laughs> manning the guns. And they took us to Larnaca um, in Cyprus and we got loaded off and went into an airport hangar. It was like a refugee camp, all these beds and everything, I couldn't sleep. Phoned my mum and dad, in, they lived in Spain. And I uh, phoned them and I said, they're going to get us a flight, a charter flight to Gatwick Airport. My dad went, right, I'm going to get you a flight from Gatwick Airport to Spain. You're going to you're gonna come and see us. Don't bother going back home. So uh, that's what happened. And um, I started talking to people and their experiences and what went on and the bombs and stuff. And I, I got away from it quite lightly. There was a lot of people there who, who had quite horrific stories to tell. But what I'm, I remembered is that the British passport is the most valuable thing you can have. Mm. If you, it doesn't. If you, if I had money and I said I'll give you a thousand pounds, and they'd be like, no, you need a passport. Mm. You, you have this British passport. You pay ninety pounds for it every ten years, and that got me through. And it was, it's priceless. It's, it's the most valuable thing that I had. And if I didn't have that, then I wouldn't have got on that ship. I would have been put to the back of the queue. So our little island is powerful. So yeah, um, it it's not what you know, it's what you've got in your pocket. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, I um, I got back to Gatwick and then I went to Spain and I remember the doors opening and my mum just burst into tears. <laughs> but I got um, I got post-traumatic stress after that. I got the physical form of it. So um, some people, they get depressed and stuff, and the soldiers you hear about, um, people going to 
Afghanistan and Beirut, <laughs> everywhere, you know, and um, even back in like World War One and World War Two, it's shell shock. It's the the sound of the the mm. um, the bombs and everything. So I got the physical forms. So I got a cough. The cough went into my back, pulled my back, and I was getting uh, bladder infections. I was getting everything. I had sore throats. The whole works. And after about six weeks, I thought. I need to do something so I got on a flight went back to Spain and didn't really talk to anybody just had a cuddle with my mum and dad and healed myself went swimming in the pool and and yeah I healed myself but every so often it comes up so I went I went to see this film um the children of men with Clive Owen in it and it had a lot mm. of bombs and stuff and I come out of the cinema that wasn't too long after it had happened as well and I went there I come out of the cinema and got um just cried I couldn't stand like bombs and loud noises and stuff and it took me a long time to get get away from that but yeah but I was all right I got on the front page of the Essex Chronicle <laughs> <laughs> I was actually on the BBC News a few times as well and somebody recognized me but if you if you google Jolie Boyle it come a lot of things come up on the BBC so um yeah, I'm not lying. <laughs> that was really there. It was really there. But no, it, it makes for an interesting life. Mm. And I said to my mum the other day, like, why do these weird things just happen to me? <laughs> we was talking, because I went to court the other day, and um, we was talking in the, the courtroom. And I said, no, we weren't. It was in the, the witness um, protection area. And I said, why do these weird things keep happening to me? And she went... It's just life, though, isn't it, Jolie? And I went, who do you know who's been to a, a war zone and got stuck in a war? Who do you know? But, yeah, it's just... I think because I travel, and when you travel, you see a lot of things, and um, you you experience a lot, and not everything is going to run as smoothly as you, you hope it's going to be. I mean, how many times has a flight been cancelled? You've gone to the mm. wrong place, or you've booked a flight to this place, but you're going back there, and, yeah, this happened to me. <laughs> all the time so yeah but it makes it an interesting story though yeah really interesting <laughs> i was sat here on tenderhook like what the fuck's gonna happen <laughs> yeah yeah so they I, I followed it afterwards and slowly but surely the it kind of died down and mm. the israelis picked on someone else syria i think <laughs> yeah but i know it does it makes it makes it interesting stories that's mm. in a war zone <laughs> but yeah, but no, why wouldn't you be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Why wouldn't you be in a war zone? But I suppose like with things going on in the world now, it's it's yeah, it's become the norm. It's not a good norm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, London could be a war zone potentially with all the stabbings and everything going well, on. Yeah, that's a bit. That's like you've got the um, what's it called? Like the the moped gangs and mm. stuff that are roaming around. Like, yeah, well, last year I was living in Barking for a little while. And uh, with my ex, and every so often you get like a swarm of moped people, and they're just like, I'd be walking Blossom in the park, beautiful park, and you get these proper scallywags coming along. There was worse than scallywags, but they'd come along, and you'd think, I want to stay away from you because I don't know if you've got a bottle of acid in your pocket. Well, yeah. And one one guy, Fred, oh, it's just me, just me. I stand up for myself, and I said, "You ain't meant to be driving that moped on 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 the pavement." And he went, "Get out of my way, otherwise I'm going to stab you, and I'm going to stab your dog." And I thought, "I've got to get out of this place." I 
two cars at a time and both of them got keyed and like in a quite a bad way as well. And I thought, oh, I don't want this. I don't want to live in this scummy area. It's awful. Oh. And then you hear about the all these bombings and stuff going on and they're making them embarking or the people live embarking and you just think, oh, God, no, thank you. But, yeah, thankfully I, I live here now. It's much nicer. People are great. So, yeah, good old Westcliff by the sea. <laughs> And 10 minutes from the gym, which is amazing. Well, yeah. 12 minutes, actually. And if I go the back routes, back routes, so yeah, if I go a different way till we can. But yeah. It's yeah. always good to live near your gym. I know. I know. Well, I was traveling, when I was living in Hatfield Peveril, I was traveling in like half an hour. Well, it'd take me about 45 minutes to get there and about half an hour to get home because of traffic and stuff. But yeah, no, I'm lucky. Lucky to live. I am lucky. I'm very mm. lucky. I said to my mum the other day, I'll never win the lottery. I'll never win big money, but anything else I'm really lucky with. Yeah, me too. Like, don't get me wrong, some bad things have happened, but at the same time, like, my life's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Like, I I really enjoy, like, my existence. Like, don't get me wrong, I still, I joke about suicide all the time because I need to rationalise those thoughts in my head. But at the same time, like my existence itself is actually like pretty awesome like um everything like i had this conversation with my boss the other week and i was like i always seem to fail upwards and i don't understand why and he's like what do you mean fail upwards and i was like i'll do something that i perceive as wrong and then i'm promoted for some reason mm. and it's like what <laughs> and i was like yeah like uh i i cocked up one of the deliveries um where I work and it's like oh no I'm really sorry that I did that and I'm like that's okay do you want to be the manager of the team I was like what what are you, t- <laughs> what are you talking about and I um every time I feel like my uh, career is going stagnant or something like, I'll get a phone call from a recruiter to say oh um, we've got this new opportunity in this place and this place and I'm like all right <laughs> cool and like I am um, it's because you're not looking for it yeah that's it they yeah whenever you we yeah that's it whenever you're not looking for anything or uh, I believe in cosmic ordering <laughs> you order from the universe you tick your box and your your uh, catalogue <laughs> yeah if you want so just forget she about deserves it. something nice yeah there you go well, that, I had a little thing last week I was thinking what on earth is going on this year what uh, I've had a very 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 strange year um Mm. It's probably been the worst year, <laughs> if I'm honest. But, do you want um, to talk about that? A bit, oh yeah, yeah, I don't mind. So I don't mind. So I, I, I put it in my blog. Yeah. Last night, so I don't well, mind. Yeah, talking about I, it. I had a read through that, and like I, I think um, Maya spoke about it a bit on her podcast mm. as well, where um, and like she was in a an. Yeah, I'm gonna say an abusive relationship as yes, well. Yeah. It was very uh one way. And it's like so like yourself and Maya, like your people that I look up to and um like I consider you strong people mm. and like there is a part of um me that's like but you're like amazing fighters, like how come you didn't just go no? <laughs> and yeah. But at the same time, I, I do understand. It's like it's not. It's very much not like that in the yeah. moment. Like, well, I won't. I won't mention his name because um, everybody knows who it is anyway, and I don't want to mention his name. But I'll just say him, him, yeah. he. So we 
we went out together uh, in 2008. We knew each other from DJing. We're mm. um, as DJ and pirate radio stations. So, um, is it Fat Bosom? No, <laughs> <laughs> didn't he marry Zoe Ball or something? He's that old anyway. But no, 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 not him. <laughs> so it, it is not anything special. But um, but yeah, we we knew each other from DJing and um, we got together. We had a little relationship for a couple of months or whatever. And uh, um, it was quite intense and right too much for me. And I'm I'm not quite chilled out, and I like to go with flow. But when somebody comes at you like, oh, I really really like you, I really like you, you're amazing, you're amazing. I'm like, whoa 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 whoa, <laughs> hang on a minute. And it was too much, and I had to yeah. say to him like, I I can't be with you because you're you're too intense yeah. for me. And I, I do believe I probably broke his heart, but um. I didn't really see of him. I saw him like a couple of times out at clubs and um, gigs or whatever. And uh, we had some mutual friends as well. And stayed friends with him. Uh, I've got an old Facebook page. I, I changed it a few years ago to this one I've got now. But just because of negative vibes and stuff from the old one. I don't ever go on there anyway. But um, yeah, we stayed Facebook friends. And yeah, and that was that. And then um, in November 2016, he... Um, he just contacted me on Facebook and he said, oh, I'm going to be in, I saw that you're playing at the Scala in King's Cross, um, DJing there. I'm going to be there that night because um, I, I go to fiat school, so we're all going to go out for our Christmas drinks. I was like, oh, okay. And he went, let's come meet up for a drink if you want. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay then. So I met up for a drink and um, he was just like so energetic and like really, really happy and I was coming... Um, I was I lost my dad about a year and a half before and mm. it takes a long time like the second year the first year is hard the second year is really hard because you haven't got that or oh, this time last year I was in Spain with dad or this time last year our dad was over here in England or there was there was anniversary mm. like days you know in the second year it was like okay well this time last year it was yeah, Dad wasn't here, you know. So he was saying, "Oh, what's been happening? What's been happening?" And I said, "Um, my um, yeah, uh, my dad died." I just had to say it like that. My dad died. That's what's been happening. And um, anyway, we got we had a nice night. We went out on another day, and then we just got together, you know. And that was it. And we um, we started seeing each other a lot, and. Um, I was in the process of buying this place and it was just going through and um, my mum, uh, me and my mum were living together at the time as well and because she had moved back from Spain <clears throat> and I wasn't really getting on with her and I look at it now and I look and I think we were both grieving for my dad. My mum has spent more than half her life with my dad, with the same person. She mm-hmm. knows him better than anybody and she hasn't got him anymore. So... She, yeah, it was really tough for both of us. So I just got myself out of the picture and um, moved in with him just for a few months. And then this place went through and then I moved in here. And he said, well, what about if I move in as well? So I moved in as well. But there was a series of little, little things, um, mm. that, like criticisms, like, yeah. why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? Questioning everything I was doing. But like... I don't know, I'm just doing it because I'm doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, kickboxing, why are you doing that combination? He questioned jiu-jitsu as well, like, 
questioned why people were getting stripes on their belts, like they haven't done any competitions or they compete all the time, but they're not as good as them and they're not as good as them. And I'm like, but that's their journey. You you need to understand that everybody's journey is different. Mm. So somebody who trains twice a week isn't going to be as good as somebody who's going to be training five times a week. So mm. their journey's different. Everything. That's what I love about jiu-jitsu. It's, it's personal. So we, um, every so often, he would just like dig at me for stuff and he would say some really horrible things and um, and I was thinking, God, he says he really loves me. Like, And we do that when it's good, it's really, really good. But when it's bad, God, I mm. feel awful. And he would scare me because he would raise his voice. He's got a very loud voice and mm. um, it's very deep and... I don't have a loud voice and it's very no. soft and um, I'm not aggressive at all. Um, but don't get me wrong, like if you push my button so hard that I'm gonna, that fire is gonna light in my yeah. belly and I will go for it. But it takes a lot. It takes a lot to do that. And then one day um, I get this. I was gonna, I was going to do my uh, Saturday class, uh, women's class. I get this text from this girl, <laughs> Fruit Loop. Um, she said, I, was, I slept with him last night, and um, I just was devastated, and this was right before I was going, I was going to the World Masters in 2017, mm. and um, this just put a little bit of distrust in, in our relationship, and then he would go out, and he would get really drunk, and he would drink quite a lot, and sort of pretty laid back, it's like, do what you want, you know, I'm not going to tell you what's what. And I'd ask him, what time are you going to be back? Oh, around about five. And it'd be about five, and I'd be like, um, are you nearby? I just wanted to know if you want to put dinner on. I ain't coming home now. Are you questioning me? Are you questioning? And he would just go into one all the time, and he wouldn't come home that night. And I thought, okay, I only wanted to know if you wanted dinner. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was just like every little bit. Um, I'd go um, leading up to the World Masters. I had to... Um, go training I'd be training twice a week and get as much mat time in as possible mm. and this is my place I own this place and he was having a go at me because I wasn't here decorating it because um, he was helping with his stuff and I said you don't need to do this you know like it, yeah. but he was having a go at me because I was going training and everything became a problem I'm going training I'm doing this I'm doing that and you're always training you know those people on the mat more than you know me and I'm thinking this is a problem this really is um yeah he has a problem with this ever since I've known him I've always trained in martial art I've always gone to the gym so this is nothing different mm. and I told him exactly I've gave up my Friday night training for him um because he wanted it as our night, Saturday nights, our night, Sunday nights, our night. Okay, all right. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday <laughs> would always be our night as well. But it was always a problem training all the time. And I thought, I said to him, "Shall I give up training? Do you want? Is that what you want me to do? I can give up jujitsu. I've booked to go to Las Vegas." And um, he's like, "No, no, no, no. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy." And then things would get good, and then bam, something else would come along. And I couldn't work out what the trigger was. There was no pattern, nothing. It was just like random, you know. Um, he'd be here sitting on the sofa and I'd be like, packing my bags, 
and be going out the door. Oh wait, Jodie, what? You're never here with me. You're never here. Like you never give me the attention that I need. You're always mm. off training. I thought, oh my god, here we go again. He's gonna kick off. He's gonna kick off. So. I'd go to training and my head wouldn't be in it and things would go wrong and I wouldn't get the training that I needed and maybe I was being a bit selfish. Maybe I should have stayed here. I don't no, I shouldn't have stayed no. here. This is this is this was my life, you know, he came into my life. Yeah. Um and it just got progressively worse and worse and worse and the arguments got more and more and more and he was always saying, Oh, I don't wanna argue, I don't wanna argue but training was a problem. It mm. was seriously a problem. And we went to the World Masters and I did rubbish. <laughs> and that was it. Didn't, didn't even get a default medal. I got my T-shirt and I went. And um, we had a nice holiday. It was good. And then uh, we come back and literally a few days later, oh, I got my brown belt and I come back. That was cool. And then uh, um, we came back. And, uh, a few days later, we went to Ibiza. It was his birthday. And we was at uh, um, Shanti and Luana's training camp. And um, he got involved. He got involved in the training, and he had doing, been doing a little bit sporadically, but he got back into it. And then when we um, when we came, oh, we got engaged there as well, and it was all really, really nice. As soon as that ring got put on my finger, it got worse. The criticism, the abuse, the mental abuse, mm. like over and over and over again. And I'm not one to show my problems to people. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. not going to go to training and bore my eyes out I just go to training and cut off from everything that's just happened I know how you feel <laughs> so I go there and um I'll put on a smiley face and I, I act like nothing's wrong years ago I read a book and no one wants to hear about you know you know if you someone says to you oh how are you and if you go oh I feel really crap I've got a headache, I've got a stomachache, I've got this ailment and that ailment. No one wants to hear about that. It brings that person down. So mm. I lie to a lot of people and I say, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? That's mm. it. I'm good, thanks. How are you? And that I'm good, thanks has probably come from I've just been shouted at. I've just been told I'm a horrible C-U-N-T. I've just been, I've just had a fist through my bedroom door. I've just had this yeah. and I've had that. And yeah. So um, I would I would block that away. I didn't want to put my problems on people. So um, yeah, I just carried on with things, and it did. It got it was like every two weeks, and every week, and then every other day, and every time he would upset me or something would break, or my blossom would be in the corner, like shaking like this. Since he's been out of my life, I've never seen her like that ever, mm. and. He was just scary, and I tell him all the time, "You scare me, you scare me," and he wouldn't take it. I think he thrived on that actually. And um, in January, he um, he said we had I don't know. He was starting on me again one morning, and um, he uh, the day before he sent me a text message, and he went, um, "I don't love you anymore, Jolie." And I thought, oh my God, we're meant to be getting married. And he's just sent me a text that he don't love me anymore. God, I feel awful. This is the man who's supposed to be the love of my life. Oh my God. And then um, the next day, as I was saying, he just started on me and I was going out to work. And my office was in Hatfield Peveril still, where I used to live. He's found a corner now. And um, I had Blossom with me. And as I'm pulling the door shut, 
and he's going, why are you leaving now, why are you leaving now, I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you, and, he, and then he went, just want to let you know, I've been seeing someone else, and he shut, slammed the door in my face, and I was like, right, that's it, and I messaged all my family, all my really close friends, I went, Dale told me yesterday, he's been seeing somebody, uh, doesn't love me anymore, and he's told me today that he's seeing somebody else, and that was it, I sent it to all my family, and I thought, I've got um I've got to let people know about this. And my friend, my best friend, Vicky, she come round to my office straight away. And she was like, oh, babe, I'm so sorry. Anyway, and that was that was nothing, really, compared mm. to what he was doing. And then I said, um, I'll get back with him. And we were, wedding was still on. And um, But my family had a little taster of what he was like. They mm. didn't really know him too well. And we'd only been together a year or so since... Um, at that point and <clears throat> my mum had always said to me you don't really know what someone until two years and yeah. um although I'd known him for a long time I didn't really know him so uh anyway we made up and things were good and we got wedding preparations in place and stuff and I was organizing things and getting the ball rolling you know like booking a venue booking the reception and booking the caterers, had the caterers come round, the caterers left, the next day he was like, you don't even love me, and you're getting caterers round here for a wedding reception, this is a shambles, and I'm like, oh my god, what have I done, what, have I, what is happening here, and I'd be just like, okay, alright, um, and I wouldn't say anything, because I didn't want a candle being thrown at the wall, and I didn't want a fist <laughs> being... Yeah, thrown and not at me. He he didn't touch me until later on, but just this mental abuse all the time. And he um, there was just things flying, throwing everywhere all the time. And and this was my home, and he was breaking it. And I'm yeah. not particularly materialistic. I like things and like the chairs that I do up and mm. things. They they're not particularly. I'm not materialistic about it. my chair there is second hand and I'm going to make it look lovely and probably sell it so I'm not attached mm. to it you know and memories are yes it is my home it's my home and he was destroying it and every every so often it would just like be another thing another thing and I got to the point where I didn't want to say anything I didn't want to didn't want to have this confrontation with him because I didn't want anything to break because I'd be the one picking things up. Hmm. One night, I was, the sofa was there, and um, I was sitting on the sofa, watching TV, on my phone, Blossom's in the corner, and he was in, in the bedroom, and he's, he's come in, and uh, he went, why aren't you coming to bed? And I went, oh, I don't want to come to bed right now. I'm just sending a message to my mate, you're always on your phone. You're always on your phone. You're doing this. You're doing that. If I, if it's not on your phone, you're always in training. You're always you know it's never around me. And I'm like, oh my god, here we go. Here yeah. we go again. What's gonna happen? You just told me you slept with someone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was, the it's girls. Not said, all about the girls me. said that. The girls said that. Not him. Oh yeah, yeah, and him as well. So yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> it was like no. He told me he'd never lied to me as well, but I pulled him up on that. Oh, that started another argument. I said, well, you lied to me. You said you'd never lie. And you said that you'd been seeing somebody else. So you're not seeing somebody else? Is that a lie now? Yeah, it was just getting a bit difficult. And that particular night, because I didn't go to bed when he wanted to go to bed, he picked up the vase full of lilies and water and he just threw it at that wall out there. And I just thought, I'm just going to sit here and wait. I am not going to clear that up. 
<laughs> they were them with the dustpan and brush and towels and everything, trying to clear it all up. And it would be like a few days later, and you'd see a reminder. Like I'd feel better in myself, but you see a reminder. There'd be a shard of glass or something that reminded you that he threw something and started damaging things all the time and breaking stuff. So, yeah, things were going on. Um, my, um, I wasn't doing so well in like competitions and stuff, and my mind wasn't my mind wasn't here it was yeah. and I, I couldn't work out I, I I give my attention to you I don't know how much more attention I can give I don't yeah. have any more attention that I can give to you and one day um it was a Wednesday Wednesday the 11th of April I thought I'm gonna have a, a DIY day so I'm gonna fix that wall there because there was all dents in it I'm going to repaint it go to b and I'm going to do all these bits and pieces I thought I'd take the day off work I work for myself so I can do things like that no problem um yeah so I thought I'd take the day off work I met my friend for coffee she wanted to do some work for me so I was having a chat and stuff and he phoned me the night before he'd hurt his knee in training and um, somebody kicked him in it <laughs> weirdly but anyway um he um in a way, that was kind of a blessing that that happened because then mm. the, the next series of events that evolved. Um, so he phoned me. He said, where are you? Blossom's here, but you're not here. And I said, oh, I'm just in um, the coffee shop across the road. And he's gone, oh, right, okay. What are you doing? Um, having a jolly up or something like that with your mates. And I went, well, I'm actually talking to her about work and I had to explain myself all the time everything mm. was like I had to give him a reason why I wasn't doing things so uh, I came back here and he's gone out and um sat chatting with my mate for a little while and then just got on with the DIY started painting and stuff he's come back laid on the sofa and I'm painting just getting rid of all the marks because that's uh, from, from yeah. the bars going to the wall and uh I wasn't giving him the attention, but he wasn't meant to be there. He came home from work early. He's laying on the sofa because I'm not giving the attention. There was two red candles on the table. It was over there when, when he was here. And um, he picked it up, threw the candle at me, at me, but it landed right on the wall and it just shattered. The next one come flying at me, just went everywhere. Even bits of the candle were on the ceiling. It was all the way down the hall to the front door. And it's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Is this you're doing this because you're ill? You're you've hurt yourself in training, mm. and you know that you're not going to be able to train for a little while. So you want to make my life difficult. And um, I just put the roller down into the tray, and I went over to the sink in the kitchen and start cleaning everything up. And I just thought, I've had enough actually had enough and blood was starting to boil and he's come into the kitchen and just stood there and whacked my snake fridge freezer and I've still got the dent there now so I'm always going to have a reminder and and I'm, I'm cutting up some melon and I just got so frustrated I threw the tub of melon on the floor and I was expecting the melon to go everywhere it didn't it stayed in the tub and I was so gutted <laughs> I really wanted something dramatic to happen and it didn't so I, I went over to get the melon and he's pushed me right there, right in my solar plexus. And literally, my feet have come up from underneath me. I've landed on the slate tiles and punctured my glute muscle. And, oh my God, Chloe, 
I've never, ever, ever felt pain so excruciating in my whole my whole life. It was so bad. I it hurt so much. I couldn't cry, mm. and I was just so tensed up where it was hurting so badly. He was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to hurt you. What are you doing? You're such an idiot. Why are you doing that? Coming at running at me like this? You're such a all these swear words and everything. I don't swear in front of people, um, on podcasts especially. But yeah, no, this is, um, yeah, no, is like doing all this it completely changed and I think he realized I was hurt and I called 101 the non-emergency line and I was speaking to them and laying down here on my right side and I had to say to him yeah I fell over how did you fall over I just fell backwards they knew exactly what had happened so um I got myself changed out of my trousers that I was in and put some jogging bottoms on and I said I want to go to the hospital and he went okay I'll take you to the hospital and then like 30 seconds later he went you know it's probably just muscular it's it, it's probably nothing you haven't broken anything and I went <clears throat> well I broke my hand and I thought it was just a dislocation so mm. I didn't go to the hospital until seven weeks afterwards so I would like to go to the hospital and he went I went don't worry about it so I laid in the in the bedroom just on my right side and I'm in a group whatsapp with my mum and my brother and I said can someone take me to the hospital please please don't phone me just come and my mum was here straight away and she went what have you done and I went I just fell over he was here in the living room and uh, I walked out and my mum got in a car and I went he did it he pushed me over and she went oh Jolie oh Jolie like that she said you know how mums do oh Jolie and uh we went to the hospital and after waiting around just for a little bit I was really good there they did an x-ray took a risk assessment I was one question away from being high risk domestic violence um there was no fracture in my hip or anything it was muscular um I couldn't sit down on the toilet for three days properly I was sitting on my hands, like, pushing myself up. Thankfully, all my strength and conditioning paid <laughs> off at that point. So, yeah, um, I couldn't drive for three days. I stayed at my mum's for a few days. And um, weirdly, it was the time when um, I went and had my hand x-rayed. <laughs> so um, they put it in a cast. <clears throat> and They x-rayed it and they put it in a cast. I was like, why are you doing that? It's pretty much mended now. But I got back to my mum's and slid it off. <laughs> but... Um, I said to him, um, I sent him a message and I said, this is it, I can't go back with you, that's it, finished, We, um, you hurt me and that's that, I don't go back after that, it's the last straw mm. and he thought we was going to get back together after that and me being the nice person I am, I let him drive my car, uh, he, he had rain of both my cars, he was insured on them. Mm. Um, one was a lovely car, one was the one you see outside, like nine years old Mini Cooper. But um, yeah, he um he borrowed the Mini. Um, he said, oh, I want to rent it off you because I need to get to and from training. And I thought, oh, okay, that's fine. Okay. About a week and a half later, he um he said, like, oh, I'll rent it off you. Like, I said to him, fifty quid a week. That's fine. It's whatever. It was just to help him out, really. And mm. I said, well, why don't you, um, if you're going to come round here to see Blossom, which he, he loved Blossom, she loved him, I think. Um, if you're going to come round here on Friday, why don't you just sleep on the sofa and you're going to go training in the morning? Because he was staying somewhere at his mum's in London. 
And uh, he was like, yeah, all right then. I said, look, don't get any ideas. We aren't getting back together. I had to make it clear to him. We're not getting back together. This is it. It's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. On a Saturday, he said, oh, I'm going to cook for you tonight. Okay, fine. He cooked fish cakes for me. That's what he cooked for me in 2008. And it was like he was trying to get back in my good books. And it wasn't working. I had mm. my... No, I had stood up for myself. You push yeah. me over, I'm standing up for myself. So we... um. He cooked me dinner. Everything was nice. He slept on the sofa again. I slept in my bedroom. Um, he did try and come in and stuff. And I said, no, we're not getting back together. It's not yeah. not happening. Um, I can't be with somebody who's going to hurt me physically. Um, you can mentally, you can mend, you know, a broken heart. Um, yeah, but physically, it it will. That's it. it won't yeah. end there. So um. I uh, the next day I was meant to be going out with my my friends, we and my old school friends, and loads of people just cancelled, and me and Emmy um, just decided it was like we was meant to be going to Rocker in Canary Wharf, and it was all you can eat and all you can drink alcohol, and I said, oh, I'm not drinking because I'm going to go and compete in this competition in Barcelona, <laughs> so um, I'm not going to be drinking. And she went, well, if it's just me and you sitting on the table for two, and I'm just like sozzled out of my head and you're not drinking I'm going to feel a bit weird let's go for lunch another time so I said yeah all right then so we made arrangements for another date and so I just come back here and I painted my skirting boards and I painted the walls and stuff did had a DIY day um oh no sorry I, I didn't actually go out at all day up I almost said his name <laughs> and he he was still here and I said let's go out for lunch I'm not going out with my mates now so it's like okay so we went went across the road to a little cafe and um he went out wherever he went um and uh he um and then he came back about half past six i'd had a bath i was in my pajamas sitting the all the furniture was all sort of like in the middle of the room here because mm. i've been painting the walls and the skirting boards and um i'm sitting on the armchair it was about there and it's got got my legs up like this my laptop's here i'm uploading uh photos so I could get them printed. So I had loads of um, frames and stuff and just wanted to get a few pictures of my dad. And I hadn't really got any. I had one that I had up before I took it down to, to get ready to move. And, um, yeah, I'm just there with my laptop and the doorbell's rung. So I've gone out and I was like, he's there. And I went, why are you ringing the doorbell? You've got a key. Have you lost a key? And he went, oh, no, I just thought it would be the right thing. I don't live here anymore, so I thought it would be the right thing to do. And I went, oh, okay. So I came back in, living room here. As I said, everything's in the middle. And the sofa had just loads of records on it. He could have moved them, but he didn't. He chose to lay in front of that door there, lay down, and he was like this. And I thought, oh, God, he's had a drink. <laughs> so... Mm. I was on guard and you know you can kind of feel something's going to happen and he um he started started and I thought okay here we go and he goes look you've always got a a computer screen a laptop if it's not a laptop it's a phone in front of you I'm always looking at you looking at a screen and I thought oh my god here we go here we go and uh he just started just just being abusive, bringing things yeah. up, and and I, I had enough, and I talked back at him, 
And as when I, I I told him the truth, and he didn't like it. I can't remember for word for word what it was, but um, it was something that happened previously, and he didn't like it. And he came up in my face like this, and he was right there, right in front of my face, scaring the hell out of me. And I thought, oh hmm. my god, this guy is gonna kill me. And I just the fire in my belly just came up, and I just went bang. <laughs> With my broken hands. <laughs> With my broken hands. And I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. And he just got so angry. He's picked up my laptop and he went bang, picked it up again, bang on the floor, picked it up again, bang on the floor. And um, I've screamed and he's come over and he's put his hands over my mouth, whether to smother me, whatever, or stop me from screaming. And uh, I just pushed him away I got my jiu-jitsu guard up like bang like that and he went flying as well I think <laughs> I was like well good shot Jolie that was excellent anyway he's come up again and he's he's done the same thing and uh, I was just screaming at him and uh, he's put his hand over my mouth and um, grabbed my phone was at the side and grabbed my phone and he saw me grab it and so I'll tell you what jiu-jitsu grips are amazing because I held held my phone in my hand so hard that he pulled me up he lifted me up off of the armchair and I was in the air he was lifting me that's how strong he is that's how big he is and I thought you ain't got no chance Jolie I just let go let him have the phone and he walked out the um into the bedroom and I thought my work phone's on the side in the kitchen. I'm going to get it and ring 999. So uh, I grabbed my work phone and he come running out and he went, don't you dare. And I went, break everything, smash everything, just smash the whole place up, smash it up. And uh, he just got the keys. And I went, don't you dare take the keys. Don't take the keys. I don't want you to take my car. I don't want you to take my keys in my flat. Don't take anything. He took the keys and he went, you are going to live to regret this. And... Uh, I thought, oh my god, later on I found out my wing mirror of my Audi had been smashed off, obviously him, but um, I called the police, it was round within an hour, the lady on the on the emergency line, she was amazing, I was telling her all about me, and she's like, you've really got yourself together, this guy is awful, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, anyway, um, they came round, they took a statement, my mum came and then my brother came and yeah, we was all there and it was really mad because all the, the furniture's in the in the middle of the room, it was just a bit, a bit, I don't know, congested in here. <laughs> so um, yeah, and as we were, it was getting quite late, um, but as we, as, as we were, he was taking the statement, he got a call on his radio and he went, he's been nicked, they've got him and I went, good. So as you go down the A13, I knew it was going to head towards London. They pick up on the cameras, so they picked him mm. up and got him. And uh, he spent the night in the prison cell and got let out the next day. There was instantly a police order. He couldn't contact me at all. And then um, a month later, he went to, um, I don't know what they do. Is it like magistrates? I'm not sure what court he went to, but um, he pleaded not guilty. Um, there was nothing to do with domestic violence. That was... Um, his word against mine, um, but they was charging him on criminal damage to my laptop, mm. and I'd never been in a situation like this before, so it was interesting for me, because um, it, where he pleaded not guilty, they said, I think it was funny as well, because that day I was thinking, I wonder what happened, I, I don't know, to ring 101 and get an update and all that kind of stuff, I do now, 
Um, but yeah, so it's a learning curve. Like these these things are here to give you an experience. <laughs> so <laughs> give you an experience. So anyway, they um they gave me an update and they said, yeah, he pleaded not guilty. So unfortunately, you're going to have to go to court and it's going to be on the fourth of October. So um. I went, oh, right, okay, are you willing to attend court? And I went, yeah, of course, no problem. That's fine, I don't mind. Um, yeah, that's fine, I'll, I'll go with it. So um, every so every month they was phoning me, are you still okay to come and um, come to court? Yeah, no problem, no problem. Anyway, um, my birthday's the 5th of August. I went out the, night, the day before, actually. I went to a, um, a festival with my friend in London and... Um, 2.30 in the morning I get a phone call I was staying at my mum's house that night and I got a phone call and it was withheld number and I just let it go my phone was on silent but it was vibrating on the side and then uh, it went again I didn't say anything I just just answered but and didn't say anything he went Jolie I love you I miss you I just want to wish you a happy birthday and I thought you are the last person I want to speak to on my birthday and um, he, uh, I said, you're not meant to be phoning me. You, you did some really bad things. And he went, but I love you. I miss you so much. I'm so sorry. And I just put the phone down. And the next day, uh, I went out, I went to the Shard for my birthday. And um, with my mum and my aunt. And I got the train back. And I thought, I'm going to text him. I'm going to WhatsApp him because I know that he's ready. <laughs> and uh, I sent him a message and said, don't ever phone me again and he sent me a message back not long after and he went I'm gutted I did to be fair I take it all back and I thought thank you very much you've just admitted that you <laughs> you got in contact with me and we had a little conversation it was like yeah see you on the 4th of October and um yeah he was being nasty then on on the message not as he was the night mm. before probably drunk whatever and um yeah um, a few days later, the lady from the court, the witness protection team, she phoned me up. She said, I'll oh, just check in. You're still okay to come to the court on the 4th of October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, you know, weird thing happened the other day. He contacted me. He phoned me. She went, he's not allowed to contact you. There's an injunction. He's not allowed to contact you in any format. And he's not allowed to come down your street. So um, she went, you need to phone 101 and report him. So I phoned 101, reported him. Police officers come round, took a statement. It was all a bit of a palaver, but it's formalities. You have to do yeah. that. There was a warrant out for his arrest. So I thought, oh, good, <laughs> this is nice. Anyway, um, yeah, as, as time's gone on, like a month, uh, six weeks have passed. And then uh, I woke up one Monday morning, 24th of September. I got an email from him. Um just wanted to let you know I've landed uh, it's a jobbing actor by the way I've landed a part in EastEnders we could have been something special Jolie <laughs> and I thought okay thanks for that <laughs> you've breached your terms again <laughs> yeah you've breached your bow again I'm just going to phone 101 and report it but they didn't come round until the 3rd of October so um, the lady I was speaking to the police officer she said to me right what you've got to do is when you finish in the call go round to the police station and say he's in the call um, and we'll arrest him. I was like, okay, that's cool. And I'll do that. And I got really excited about it. I wasn't scared about going to court. I was petrified the week before. I, um, Rob Dawson, who um, does mind coaching with me uh, for, for competitions, um, I said to him, can we have a, a session? Because I need to get this in my head. And 
he literally said treat you like a competition and I did I treat you like a competition don't get me wrong I was petrified going into that court um standing in the witness box a friend of mine Tom he's a police officer and he told me he sent me a message and just told me exactly how it would be and yeah he was in the background he had the solicitors there and you had the three magistrates I was petrified never done anything like this before and um, my solicitors started talking to me about all the the event um, the laptop that's all it was all about it was about the laptop the all the other things I had to be really direct and not deviate onto anything else and um, it was just about the laptop which I thought was such a shame because it was a drop in the ocean of what went on and Mm. it was just about a laptop and I knew that he was trying to pin that on me because I hit him first and he was claiming self-defence to get away with it. So when it came to his lawyer, the defence lawyer, she started grilling me and putting words in my mouth and she was saying, you hit him first. And I went, yeah, I did. Because he was in my face and he was like this, he was like that. And she said, but you're, um, you do kickboxing, you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're a brown belt. And I went, don't come... No, I didn't say that, but I was thinking, don't come with that. <laughs> No, 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 no. I said, um, when we compete in jiu-jitsu, we compete at the same level and the same weight. We don't compete with guys, although years ago they did, but I didn't say that. We don't compete mm. with guys. We compete with women um, and with the same weight. And she went, the same weight, the same weight, only the same weight. And she knew she'd been speaking to him, and I do open class and stuff. And uh, I said, oh, unless you do the open class or whatever. But, um, yeah, you, you train with women. Uh, who have got similar strengths um you 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 compete with women and she really tried to put it on me like I was the one at fault I hit him first I pushed him away I was the bad person Mm. and it was horrible then my solicitor came back and she started talking to me and kind of pacifying things and then she said what happened after he picked um the laptop up and I went he went to smother my mouth and suffocate me. And she was like, that, don't go any further. But they don't want you to talk about that. They just want you to talk about that laptop incident. And I thought, mm. oh, this is frustrating. It could go any way. He got up and didn't give as much detail as what I did. Couldn't remember certain things. Some things that he was saying, lying through his teeth. And I, my mum was with me and I was like, oh my God, he is lying. I was so gobsmacked and I swear the magistrate must have looked at me like with my jaw dropped, like he's lying through his teeth. And um, what freaked me out as well, I was looking up there and I looked at him and I thought, oh my God, he looks like Reggie Cray. (laughs) (laughs) These big black glasses on, dark hair and he's an EastEnder. And I just thought, oh my God, you're such a bad man. (laughs) Um, And my mum said to me, she went, this could go either way, you know. And I went... God, I hope I don't get done for, like, battery and assault for hitting him. And uh, I had to say to him, my hand was broken. So, anyway, um, when the magistrates went out, and I phoned the police at that point, and I said, he's in the magistrates' court. And um, when we all came in, they found him guilty. He had to pay me back my... I got paid back from my home insurance, but um, he had to pay a fine and whatnot. And as it went on his um they they put an injunction on him again for a year so i've got a year to move (laughs) get away um so i don't know where i am but um 
I, I don't doubt that he'll be in contact after the year. Yeah. He will, because he's messed up in the head. It's what people do when they're that way inclined. They, um, they'll always be like that. And I don't believe that it's something that just happened. I mm. do believe that it happened. it's happened through his whole life. And I do believe that he has narcissistic personality disorder. Mm. Um because he's got all the traits of it as well. But yeah, so he was still there. He had to wait for his court order by the magistrate. They went off to lunch and um, I went round to the police station and I said, look, there's a wanted man in the, the magistrate court. You need to go and get him. And uh, she took all the details and everything. And then um, the next day I phoned up and I said, did you get him? And they went, no. I was gutted absolutely gutted and the guy I was speaking to on the phone and he said don't worry he said he's got a very long list of offences he said this won't be the only time he gets picked up by the police and this won't be the last time he gets picked up by the police he went he will get picked up again I guarantee it so there we go the warrant's out for his arrest and um yeah anyone who knows him (laughs) then uh don't tell him he's a wanted man but um, tell the police so um, yeah I don't doubt that he will do it again he will be um, an offender but um, after putting my blog up loads of people were like Jolie you're so brave you're so strong you're so this you're so that I mean it did it I brought a tear to my eye but I just thought I want people to know that you don't have to go through that abuse yeah it's not acceptable. I question myself so many times. Is this how a loving relationship with the love mm. of my li- the so-called love of my life meant to be? Is it meant to be this? And no, it's not meant to be like that. It's not at all. This guy, he was trying to pin it on me that I'm controlling. And um, I told the magistrate that I opened his mail, <laughs> his bank statement. I said, the day that he did all of this, I said he went to the Hope Pub in uh, South End. It's come up, like, drink after drink after drink after drink. It's, like, tapped on the white, um, contactless. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, if you know internet banking as well as I do, then that's probably a few days before. But it wasn't. It was that day I caught him out. I'm a pretty good detective, you know. I'm really good at things like that. I can find people out. So, um, yeah, it, I, I just wanted people to know that um, I'm, I'm not about, like, oh, poor me, this happened to me, poor yeah. me. I, I'm not that. I don't want sympathy. I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Mm. I just want people to know I went through this. I got out of it. By all means, I'm not safe. Mm. I will always, I feel like I'll always be looking over my shoulder. He'll be around. Um, But I do believe in karma. I really do. And I don't believe that he'll make it as a big actor that he dreams of. Um, Karma won't let that happen. No. Um, And the way his life has gone, um, I find out more and more about him as well as, as time's gone on and I realised that the bad things that he does, karma does come back and he <laughs> does more bad things and karma comes back and it puts him back and back and back and back and he won't get anywhere in life. Yeah. You, you, I, I questioned myself last week and I, I'm a good person. Why does this happen to me? Why, why have I had this year like this? 
and it's a lesson. I, I don't like giving away the Carlton Gracie Chelmsford gym. I gave that away and I thought it was the worst time of my life. But I've come out on top. I'm the winner. Mm. Other things that have happened, it's the worst time of my life. This has happened. It's the worst time of my life. I come out. I'm a winner. So I said to you, I won't ever win money on the national lottery or the euro millions which i do every week without fail <laughs> 45 pounds is the most i've ever won but um i won't ever win that i'm saying that because i won't win it but i'm lucky in an, in another respect that i do have strength and i stand up for myself yeah because my mum and dad have always said stand up for yourself jolie <laughs> so yeah but um um i'm not out of it yeah, I'll, as I said, I'll always be looking over my shoulder. But if ever somebody comes into my life who's like that again, I certainly yes. know yeah, the you'll telltale see the signs. signs. Yeah, I've got a friend. She, it's funny as well, the amount of people who, um, not just women, guys go through it as well. Mm. And the amount of people who have been in those kind of narcissistic relationships. And it's a very common thing. And I've looked into it and... Why? Why did they? Why did he come to me? Why I couldn't work it out? And I was reading a book not long ago. It's called The Girl Before, and it's going to be made into a film. And I'm sure that it's going to be amazing because it was a great book. And the guy in there is a narcissist, and they were saying that narcissists prey on vulnerable people. When we met up, I was vulnerable. I was grieving for my dad, mm. and he felt that, and he could prey on me. So. I'm not vulnerable anymore. I'm very strong. And, mm. um, yeah, as long as people, if anybody is going through this relationship, this kind of relationship, whether it's in your training or if you're not, if you're, you, whatever you're doing, um, women are so strong as well. I think they, they are so... I think women have um, a greater deal of mental strength yeah. than people give them credit for yeah absolutely um, it also means that like they're wildly underestimated like most of the time as yeah. well which is yeah. crazy but if you think about years ago marriages they lasted so long because women just put up with men sorry i'm just I'm gonna sound really horrible <laughs> but we uh, or, or they um it was seen that you had to keep stay together yeah, you couldn't yeah. you couldn't divorce because it was either part of your religion if you were catholic or whatever and you just stay together you were married you know but people have mm. people have grown from that now and i had a little thing a little while ago and i was like i'm 41 years old now i don't have kids i'm not married i've never been married i don't want to get married i never wanted to get married mm. um which is interesting because i was engaged <laughs> anyway um yeah so and i i'm i'm not the norm you know i look at my cousin and she's got a lovely husband she's got a lovely house she's got two beautiful girls and i see that as normal but i'm not i'm doing mm. my thing and it got me down a little while ago about it and um, I got into, not depression, but I just got sad. I got sad about, I thought maybe I'm not doing the right things, you know. Um, I'm not on the train that everybody else is on. Yeah. Having those stops. I'm on the roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know where the next hoop's going to come from. Um, but like, yeah. my, my sister's in um, very much the same boat. Like, um, I've got a very big family. Um, 
people who have listened to this before know that it's like uh, there's nine of us all together mm. and um so my oldest sister is she doesn't have any kids or anything uh she's been with her partner for fucking hell like 15 20 years nearly yeah and um like they've always been together but they've never really had any like inclination to get married they don't see the point like yeah. they love each other so what does that additional thing mean essentially yeah and cost of a wedding <laughs> inviting yeah, people exactly. you don't see all the time so um like she's she was going through this thing where she's like all of her sisters had like kids and um like my two brothers they both got kids now as well and everyone in the family's kind of got families of their own and mm-hmm. like they're they're doing their own thing she's like um she's like i'm for i think i think she's 41 as well but she was having a really tough time of it because it's pressure it's yeah, pressure there's from... a societal pressure yeah, on exactly. women yeah to have like the the family the um the husband and all of this and it's like why is it okay for men to be promiscuous their whole lives mm. and yet women have to settle for whatever yeah. people expect from them? I went out with my friend not long ago. I need to reply to her. I've got a text <laughs> about 12 o'clock today and I haven't replied. But um, she, uh, I said to her, like, have you got a boyfriend? What's happening? Are you seeing anybody? She was like, no, I don't want a, I don't want a boyfriend. I've been going out on dates and stuff like that. She went, I'm never getting married. Mm. She's 37 years old, and no, I'm never getting married. I'm quite happy as I am, and mm. I don't want society to put that pressure on me mm. to settle down, have kids. She lives in a beautiful Art Deco building um, in a flat, and it's just amazing, and you couldn't have kids there. It's too nice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you couldn't. But, um, yeah, and when I went to see her, and I told her everything had been going on and stuff, and um, that's probably why she texted me earlier about the court case, but she... um. Yeah, she made me feel really good about myself because yeah. she's not doing what society expects or well, yeah. years ago they expect. But now, I think give it like 10 years and then you'll realise that, no, not even that, you know. Yesterday I met this lady, I was um, I was at one of my clients' uh, dealerships and I was talking to her and I said, oh, we, you, we get talking about just yeah. like general things and she said oh have you got kids are you married blah 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 and I said no 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 and I went what about you and she went yeah I married my high school sweetheart we got divorced 30, uh, 15 years later and I went oh okay and she went I'm not with anybody don't want to be with anybody I'm hmm. going to be 60 next year and I'm happy as I am and I thought good on you yeah <laughs> that's nice and I suppose now because I'm going through that as well um, I'm seeing this more same mm. with the whole narcissist relationship um, I see it more I talk to my friends and um, some somebody I know I, I, I teach her um, our teacher kickboxing actually she um, she tells me about a relationship and I said oh okay and it's the astronomy thing again I said mm. oh is he a Virgo <laughs> and she went yeah he is and I went oh okay so he's like this 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 and this and she went oh, how do you know that and I said well it's just how they are you know it's their traits and mm. well obviously they're sorry not all Virgos are the same you know they've got really good traits as well <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so I see it more now. I think because mm. I've been through that and 
yeah, you, you see it. It's, it's yeah. uh, around you. And um, my eyes are fully wide open now. Mm. Mm. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. But, like, I can't remember if you said this on the podcast or before it, but, like, um, I'm very much of the mind that you just need to live your happiness. Like, live to be happy. If you're happy as you are, then fucking great. If you're yeah. not happy, you need to change it. Like, yeah. And no, that's what I was saying about the John Lennon quote. Yeah, yeah exactly. Teacher, what do you want to be, be, be when you're older? Happy. happy. <laughs> and that's it. Like, there's so much you can do to affect your life in a positive way that it doesn't make sense to just stay mm. in a rut. Yeah, that's it. You see so many people in these really, um, really sad relationships, yeah. and they stay together. They put up with one another. It's because they, that's it. It's difficult yeah. to separate, yeah. possibly. Yeah, like there's... Like... Speaking to, actually, speaking to another lady yesterday, she was telling me that um, she's in a relationship, but she can't, she can't separate with him because he owns more of the house than what she does. So mm. her part of the house, whatever she gets, she's not going to um, get anything for it. She'll have to rent, and she's in her 50s or whatever. So yeah. she, you don't want to be in that situation. So she's in a relationship for the sake of it. It's sad. Yeah. But if you're single, you can just go out training and do yeah. all that kind of stuff. Do, do whatever you want. you want. Well, I see more of my friends now. I see more of my family. Um, I do more stuff. I go more places. And... I train more, and I've had like a couple of bouts of no, <laughs> I had salmonella when I come back from Vegas, and then I got shingles. <laughs> so uh, I've just had a little bit of a rough time recently. But um, once I'm back on track again, then I'll be training five times a week again. So yeah, yeah I will be back on track, and it'll be fine. And yeah, I'll be back to normal Jolie training, strength conditioning, or. And doing yoga, like I said I was going to do for God knows how long. Yeah, yeah. but the thing is, I can't, I have to see this whole experience of this year. There's, when when a year starts quite bad, it gets better. Yeah. It, it the end is generally really good. Um, yeah, it's been an experience for me. Mm. And it's certainly um, opened my eyes to learning how people are. In my work, I deal with a lot of people and I've had to deal with some right horrors this year in work, but it's fun. It's how people are. And I think a friend friend of mine, he said, you you become very um, resilient mm. because of all the things that keep getting pushed at you all the time. So, But it's all right. It's where strength comes from as well. Yeah. You, you have to get knocked down, get back up, knocked down, get back up. You just exactly. bounce all the time. And like again, that's the only way you get good at jiu-jitsu as well. No one's ever gonna um, like win the worlds after never losing a single sparring match. Like yeah, like you need to experience failure to succeed. Like, yeah. Otherwise, where's the joy in success? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, I've lost a few, quite a few competitions, and the most devastating one was last year at the World Masters. I went all the way there and I'd put in so much effort and I'd worked so hard that year and I had a lot of pressure on me and come away with nothing. And mm. I was gutted, you know, and you don't get a second chance at that competition on that year. You have to just go for it. But yeah. I don't know. I I did a I did a competition in the summer, the British Nationals, the IBIS 
BJJF. I fought the same girl in the gi and then the, the no-gi. Mm. So she beat me in the gi by an advantage. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to do my thing. I love no-gi. I think it's great. And <laughs> I think everybody should do it. And at least once a week anyway. It's a lot of fun. And um, just because it's so... You've got to go for takedowns. You can't pull yeah. guard, really. So, um, yeah. So I practiced... I executed my throws that I practice every week and yeah I took on a lot of uh, took on board a lot of advice that some friends gave me and um got my throw got my submission at the end got my gold medal at brown belt <laughs> yeah no it made me That's happy awesome. was, yeah it was it was really good my coach was really pleased as well and he said to get a gold medal at brown belt he said yeah it's really something Jolie well done but mm. it took seven losses to get that <laughs> but it's all right it's what makes me makes me human and yeah and I'll just keep striving and doing more and more competitions and yeah once I move house I'll be a lot more settled and I'll get back into the training Mm. and every that's the thing as well it's been very unsettled this year and last year as well makes a big deal um big difference to your training definitely but yeah (laughs) I'm sure it'll be awesome Mm. I look I'm looking forward to it it'll be like okay the first year in brown belt's gone now. I've been um, it's been a year and a month, so I'm well into it. I love the game. I love the the uh, toe holds. I love the knee bars, <laughs> <laughs> the calf slices, and mm. I, I laugh every time I get caught in one. It just it, it I've got some really really cool people to train with as well. They're all brown yeah. belt above, so yeah, it's good. I learn a lot. I love when it. I was um when I went up to uh. Long eating to train with Gret. Um, we did a takedown. She's like, "This is how you finish it in a knee bar." And I was like, "You can't show me these things." Yeah, you know, you need to. I'm know just those a lonely blue belt. No, some, when I was blue belt, someone did a knee bar on me. Jay the animal from Carlson Gracie. You might have heard of him. Um, <laughs> when I was sparring with him, never sparred with him before, and I went, oh, "What are you doing? What is that?" And he went, "It's a knee bar." And I went. Oh my god! You I can't did, do that to yeah, me. Yeah, why are you doing that? <laughs> and I was a blue belt, and um, for about three weeks, the back of my knee really hurt because yeah. I didn't know I didn't know what it was, and um, I just felt my something happened. I didn't even realise he was doing it, mm. but um, yeah, I could never get him back. But anyway, nah, it's it was that was that was my first experience with the knee bar. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, no, it's um, I love the. Love the jiu-jitsu game now. It's like as if um, somebody's injected a load of passion back into it again. It's fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm just very conscious of the fact that we've talked for nearly four hours. <gasps> no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Um, we need to it definitely the longest one. Oh, um, my God. Sorry, so, I'll talk a lot. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, it's been so fascinating speaking to you. I've loved it every moment. Um, I'm gonna end on um, like the same thing I tend to end on, which is um, it's normally about engagement in the sport, but like I like for you, I'm more interested in what your advice for other women in general would be. Um, advice as a a whole, just yeah, like um, I don't know, you're. Like I, I always enjoy like talking to you. It's it's um it's very fun. Like you're such a, and well you, I see you as a very 
outgoing and passionate <laughs> person like you you put your heart into everything yeah. that you do and I 100% for everything yeah it's <laughs> yeah, great always. and like it's I think it's very important to be around people like you because I'm I'm very much not a self-starter I, I need um yeah. people's passion to feed off yeah. but um like honestly you've like just your life experience in general is um remarkable so like just any bit of advice you would give to people just like how uh, I'm gonna take it from Richard Branson he quoted once he said um just say yes and then figure it out later that's what I do with most of my shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I wing it I wing it all yeah. the time that somebody will give me an opportunity and I'm like yeah okay that's fine okay. I'll say yeah I'll do it I'll do it the same with training as well it's like just go train you know it doesn't matter just wing it it doesn't matter if you don't know mm. what you're doing just if you want to do your first competition just go and do it just, just get out of the way get it out of the way go and experience it and that's the thing like we're, we're here we're put on the earth to to have a an experience yeah we are we're spirits having a human experience and um, we're, we're spirits having a yeah this experience here and that's what you've got to do. You've got to live your life. There's too many people who play things safe. Mm. And no, don't play safe. Just say yes to everything. Yeah. Well, within reason. <laughs> <laughs> don't do drugs. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, no, I think you should just, just go and do things if you want to go abroad and, or do. Yeah. Like people shy away from IBJJF or Abu Dhabi Jiu Jitsu tournaments. Just go for it. It's only like a local competition and just really well run. Well, in fact, I think a lot of the local competitions are really well run now. So mm. there's no difference. It's just on a, in a different venue, bigger medals, you pay more money for them. That's it. Yeah. So just go and do those. If you want to go abroad and do a competition, like Paris is coming up in, in November. Dublin Open is coming up in December. I'm going to go there. So any brown belts, come on, go over there. <laughs> I don't mind fighting an adult or whatever. If I'm honest, it. like... um. I'm still technically in recovery, but mm. I'm thinking about going to um, the London Warriors Cup in a couple oh, of yeah, weeks. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there. My friend Kerry lives in Ireland. She, mm. and she's the one who got me into jiu-jitsu. She's going to compete. Um, one of my students, Charlotte, my friend, she's um, she's thinking about doing that as her first competition. Mm. So, if, yeah. If you wait, I might be able to get a discount on the entry. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I've been speaking to um, Georgina, who uh, runs it, yeah, yeah. and um, she wanted to um, see if there was anything she could do to help me with my competition, and I want to help her with her competition. So. Yeah. Um, I've heard that is a really good competition. So yeah. Many people are um, up for that, and I love the fact that they've got prize money as well, and it's not just for the brown and black girls. Yeah, it's for everyone. Because mm. I, I, they're, they're going to attract people. I know that people from Ireland are going over there to, mm. to compete. So I know you can get cheap flights and stuff, but it's still, it's. It, it, it attracts talent. Yeah, yeah. Which is what you need. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, I, I'm in no way, shape, or form ready to come back to competition. But um, I am a little frustrated at the moment with the fact that I can't train and. Um, like I fought twice at blue belt in competition, and now I'm just like, 
how far have I fallen? Like, mm. since I've not been able to train, I need to know where I am so that I can start working on things again. So, yeah. like, for me, this is just a pick-up competition. But it'll be nice just to be in that environment again and mm. to, like, experience the challenge of it. Like, I would have fought at my competition, but I'm going to be so busy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Like, you can't. I am... I did a little competition a few years ago. I, I did it with Dickie Martin. It was the Chelmsford Open. We did it for two years. I did it with him. And then, obviously, the cross the change of the ownership yeah. of the gym. Then they did it for a year after. But I'd quite like to bring that back, the Chelmsford Open. But yeah. I, everyone was like, oh, why don't you compete in your own competition? But I couldn't. There was too much to do. Yeah, this, honestly, I, I didn't. I didn't think it'd be as bad as it was, but then mm. last year I just had no time. The whole day I was running around, like just trying to wrangle Mauricio. Now that I think about it, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was supposed to be hands out in the middle. I was like, um, I know you yeah. like wandering around talking to people yeah, <laughs> in your sandals. <laughs> I love him so much, but <laughs> he's just like one. Of, he's a traditional, laid-back Brazilian. He just ah, ah we'll yeah. get to it. <laughs> ah, ah. Uh, yeah, it looks fun. I couldn't make it last year. It was um, my kickboxing kids needed me that day because it was oh. on a Saturday. And I did say to you, and you listened. I said, do it on a Sunday, and I can come. And yeah, I'll be there yeah. next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got a couple great. more things to sort out, and then everything's like ready. I I just I don't know if I'm gonna have enough referees. That's my that's my biggest worry at the moment. I think I've got. I've got two, like, confirmed, confirmed. One who says they can dip in and out throughout the day, mm-hmm. which is cool. Oh, well, you um, got me. <laughs> oh, you could... Yeah, oh, I, I, I forgot could you it. said... Oh, you got three, four. Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. And I've only got four mats, and I'm hoping... I'm, like, scheduling, like, 15-minute breaks here and oh, there. okay. And also you get, like, food and shit. I'm going to order pizzas and stuff. Like, lots of pizzas. Veggie for me. Thanks. Yes, there'll, there'll, there'll be vegetarian options, I promise. Oh, okay. But that's for like all of the volunteers and all of the referees and stuff. Like, honestly, this re- the the competition itself. Like, I know I'm like kind of coordinating it, but I wouldn't be able to do it without the the people who have like offered to help. But that's the thing. Like, once you um, you have so many jujitsu friends, and everybody sees how much work you put into what you do, so. They're more than happy to. I, I was mm. thinking, oh no, I don't want a ref. I'm going to be a really bad ref. But then I thought, oh, I've done a referee's course. And it was a few <laughs> years ago. I compete quite often. I watch jiu-jitsu matches all the time. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. So, touch wood, I'll be pretty good on the day. But the thing is, like, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody makes mistakes. And, mm. like, the whole point of this competition is there's no pressure. Yeah, yeah. It's like the only thing, and um, I was talking to Yaz as well because she was like, oh, "I could never be a ref." Like when it comes to decision, I'll be like, "I want to draw." But <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the same as well. I'd be thinking, "Oh my god, oh my god, what am I gonna I do?" I am thinking, and like, just because it doesn't happen very often, where it goes to like the referee's decision, I am thinking like, just add five more minutes, like. Someone needs to win. Mm. <laughs> and if the referee doesn't... If, if there isn't a clear winner, the referee should be able to just go add two minutes. Yeah, like, right. Just start again from the knees or whatever. Mm. And then, like, there'll be a winner. Yeah. So I think I might add that as one of the by rules. But, um... Make sure that's clear to me. <laughs> I'll get confused. I'll be like, no, no, no. <laughs> ah, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. Right. Um, yeah, definitely, like, three hours. 
and 57 minutes. So, <laughs> right. I'm just going to say thank you very much for speaking to me. It's thank you very much for having me on your awesome. podcast. Oh, no, don't be silly. Yeah, like, no, it's, uh, I was, it's funny. When you asked me, I was like, I, I haven't got anything really? to talk about. <laughs> why do you want to hear? Yeah, what am to I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you so much. It's been like lovely to speak to you. And like seeing little Blossom. I know. She's a little bit sleepy at the moment. I think she's a bit grumpy that I'm still here. No. <laughs> she's no, not getting all the attention. It's at bedtime anyway, so. Aww, yeah. Bless her. Right. Well, I'm just going to stop these and watch me do it. And that is it, guys. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. I really want to thank Jolie again for sitting down to talk to me. I know it wasn't the easiest of conversations to have. And uh, I know personally that I had a really good time speaking to her. And I really did learn an awful lot. Um, So, yeah. Next week is the Fight Like a Girl competition. Finally, after months and months of preparation um there are currently three days left to enter i believe and there is a promo code for 60 percent off entry if you haven't entered already and that code is last hours l-a-s-t-h-r-s um i really hope you enjoy the competition this year um last year was really good fun and i really hope that i can replicate the same environment as we had last year um but yeah i don't really have anything else to say so i really hope you've enjoyed the podcast and i hope you have an amazing week and i will hopefully see most of you next weekend okay love you bye